Before we start today's episode off, I want to thank Ablast, Lily, Kirchu, and Isaac for supporting our show on Patreon. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can check the link in the description down below. Now let's get on with the episode. And welcome back to... God, what is this? Episode 30? I think it's episode, episode 30. 30. Episode 30 of Emblem Cast. And uh, we have a guest that I'm going to introduce in a moment, but before any of that, I want to do one quick thing, and that is introduce that we have... First of all, we have a Discord that uh, we're, we're trying to get more people to join so it can be more of a community. And second of all, we just launched a Patreon about a month ago. So we have all of our rewards and stuff like that. I, I announced this in a, in a short little update episode uh, a couple weeks ago. And you guys can check out that as a link in the description because I'm not going to go over all of that here. Um... And another quick thing is we actually have a review. <laughs> we and I always promise that I'm going to re- re- excuse me, I'm going to read these off at the beginning of every episode and I forget, so I'm going to do it quickly. Uh but our review is from the ineffable Audrey who gives us five stars and they say, "Bring back the Darren and Sheffin show." An excellent podcast for an excellent series. For any longtime fans of Fire Emblem, new folk curious about the series' intricate history and passionate strategy games, this is a podcast for you. The discussions are interesting and the jokes are never ending. The Black Knight is always perfect and Chris is still dead. (laughs) What more could you ask for? The only concern I have is Darren and Sheffin's arising debacle and (laughs) conflicting thoughts on the series. I fear this difference of opinion may end my dream of seeing the Darren and Sheffin show uh, returning fantastic show keep up the great work so thank you for that review we read reviews one or five stars so please leave us one on itunes but with all that being said we would like to to welcome a guest that has been i i checked on reddit about half a year in the making (laughs) it's just been kind of life and stuff like that that's been getting in the way but finally we have him on uh thank you so much for coming on our podcast blazing night Uh, it's a pleasure to be here thank you for having me yeah, no, it's it's exciting. Uh, we've we've we communicated a couple months ago, and this is something that we're we're really excited to, because um, I think our our audiences have really interesting overlap in in some ways, and I'm I'm excited to get into some discussion and and fun debate here. But anyway, the the first segment, as those of you who have listened to the show before, is what we have been playing, Fire Emblem or non Fire Emblem related. So does anyone want to start off? Um, well, I've still been doing Warriors, but because I want to get through my backlog, I've been playing a lot of Xenoblade X. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, man. Sheffin will have a lot to talk to you about that one. In oh, a good or a bad way. I don't, I don't know, man. It depends. What do you think? I really like the game. It's no original Xenoblade, but it's damn good. My man. <laughs> I think it's slightly overhated. I think a lot of people just um, give it a, judge it a bit too harshly because it's not as good as Xenoblade 1, but that game is a masterpiece. Can you really yeah. beat it? Yeah, it's like trying to try to live up to a 10 out of 10. But Blazing like... Knight, would, would you say as, uh, as the game progresses, you feel that you need to get a bigger gun? Uh yeah, the level scale, the, the level scaling in Xenoblade. I think level scaling in Xenoblade X and enemy placement is the worst thing about the game. 
<laughs> Do you know that song? <laughs> I have. Uh, wait, how, how far are you? Yeah. Uh, just completed chapter nine. But the thing is, I've got like 80 hours, but a lot of the time I just play a shit ton of side quests. That's one of the things I love about yeah. the game. There's so much freedom to it. Yeah, that was that was one of my biggest complaints about Xenoblade 1 and also sort of Xenoblade 2 is it kind of feels really linear at times. It never feels like a good time to go do side quests. You yeah. always feel like, yeah, that, uh, I want to keep progressing. Yeah. But with yeah, the that... X, it's like you spend the entire time just sort of basically just fucking around doing side quests and exploring yeah, the game is more about exploration and the game is built around it and i love it for that because the game i love the world of xenoblade x and how amazing everything looks but the other ones are a lot more straightforward and they are more focused yeah. i Which had i, was... I heard uh, on good authority that the worst thing about xenoblade x was a lack of rain is that true a lack of what rain rain <laughs> What do you mean? There's just plenty of rain in Xenoblade X. You know, the weather changes all the time. <laughs> no, no, R E Y N. Oh yeah, lack of rain. Oh rain. Oh, yeah, I can't right. say it right. There's a diff. Okay. There's a difference. Yeah. Wow. Different, you know, different characters and stuff like that. No one could top rain. Yeah. Yeah. But so, it's what do you true. think about X? Any other thoughts on X and your playthrough of X? Um, I just love how open and like the game is. I love exploring the world. Um, I love like the scale frames of the combat's loads of fun. Even though the characters, like some of them are really underplayed, others like Elmer I think are fantastic. I just love the entire setup of the game because I like games that give you a sense of freedom and Xenoblade X just lets you go nuts. It's not perfect. I mean, the game does lack focus in a lot of areas. The level scaling and enemy placement is horrendous, but it's just, it's so easy to get lost in the whole thing and just have a good time. Yeah. I that I mean that that game has actually always looked really interesting to me. Not not story wise, but I've just heard like everyone I've talked to that played that game when it when it first came out because it was it got pretty positive reception uh, when mm, it first yeah. came out, and I think it's kind yeah. of gone down a little bit since then. But um, everyone talks about like the the moment you first get into a mech is just like liberating in that game, and it's just an an incredible feeling. Yeah, yeah, it really is. The scale frames are pretty wonderful. But more than anything, I just need to go and finish the first game so I can play the second game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the well, one thing about Xenoblade series. They're long, but goddamn, are they good games. I mean, I haven't played X yet, but I have no doubt it will be a good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for what it's I mean, worth... Sorry, I, I meant two, not X. Yeah, two, <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, you're playing X. Uh, for what it's worth, I remember seeing that the, devel- the interviews from the developers that... They actually somewhat plan to to port it, uh, yeah. yeah, port X to the Switch, which I think will be kind of interesting to see because it'd be nice uh, to. Hopefully, it won't have to because I know there was that whole thing where like you have to download all those performance patches and whatever like that. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, initial patch that's is huge really game. huge. Yep. Mm. But the thing I'd be sort of interested in seeing is how they handle like sort of the map because with, yeah, uh, X uh, X you have pretty much all the main stuff on this TV. And then you have the sort of map, important map that shows you, you know, where you need to go, everything in sort of a little hexagon, a quadrant. So I want to see how they just do that with just one screen. Yeah, because it, like was really, it was really useful. Yeah, it was really useful in X because you could just touch where you wanted to go and what you needed to find out. It was very streamlined on the yeah. Wii U. You yeah. know, as, as much as I love the Switch, and now that I own a Switch, I almost wish I didn't own a PS4 sometimes because it's like... Oh man! Oh, I, I could never say PS... no to that. I can no, I can never PS4. say no to PS4. Yeah, PS4 is I mean, PS4. PS4 is Bloodborne. 
It does have Bloodborne, which is the only <laughs> game that I kind of care about. Well, <laughs> that, that, um, that that Persona and Uncharted, those are the like yeah. effective for, for me. For me, it um, was um, it had Bloodborne, but it also had the insane trilogy for Crash yep. Bandicoot. It was like, oh, my childhood, gotta do it. <laughs> you know, I never played Crash. I gotta, I still want to pick up the insane trilogy on on sale at some point because it, it looks yeah, fun. It but, is a lot of fun. Anyway, what, what I was going to say is as much as I love Switch and now that I own a Switch, every time I buy a game, I'm like, man, I wish I could just have this on Switch <laughs> so I can play it anywhere. <laughs> but um, I miss the gamepad a little. I, I like having those two screens and stuff like that. Like, how great was were games like, like Wind Waker, and I didn't play Twilight Princess HD, but I think it was the same way, just like the map screen, like, you know, there, like that, and, yeah. and how you could also switch out the inventory on the fly and, and stuff like that. The gamepad was cool. Yeah, I mean, like, cool. if you look at the yeah. DS and 3DS, once they stopped making the sort of huge deal out of it as a gimmick, it was a pretty solid, just useful yeah, thing great. to have in most games. And in some, it yeah. totally didn't matter whatsoever, but, you mm. know, that's fine, too. Yeah, like, like, no one cares about the gamepad in Smash, but I think if the, de- like, the gamepad was really cool if the developer knew how to use it. Like, yeah, in Wonderful really 101 was. and Pikmin 3, if you know how to make use of the gamepad, it can really add to the experience. Just don't shove it in there. Yeah. Yeah. But then you you also had games like, you know, um, 3D World and stuff like that that just kind of gamepad didn't even do anything. <laughs> it was just yeah, like, yeah, it's very true. But that's not. I would not say that's my first problem with 3D World. <laughs> but. Anyway, uh, do you have anything else that you've been playing, or is is that about it? Um, well, I've also, again, uh, I started again on Bloodborne because I got to the point where I, I forgot exactly what I was doing. I was like, you know what, fuck it, let's go through this again. That's good. And it is fun to play it again, knowing everything, and just like, because I got to the first boss without dying once and killed everyone in Yarnum. I was like, oh, that nice. felt good. I, so I, uh, I've been going through Bloodborne because I, I ended up getting about 85% of the way through the game, but then my PS4 save data corrupted, so I had to oh. I had to restart. And I, I already noticed, because Bloodborne, I had played a bit of Dark Souls 1, um, but not a ton. So Bloodborne was like my real first true like uh, total dive in, into the Souls, Soulsborne series. But already just on my second playthrough, I noticed, like, now that I understand how the things work and the mechanics and stuff like that, it's so much fun to just go back and, like, breeze through areas that were, yeah. you know, really difficult for you the, the first time and stuff. I've been running... I need to go back, because I'm at, I'm at Ludwig uh, on the DLC, and then I only have two more bosses um, in the main game. Uh, Ludwig is a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, the DLC, like the old Hunters DLC. Good lord. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's it's awesome, but like it's really tough. But I gotta yeah. go back. The my only motivation for not going back is I uh, over the summer I I brought my PS4 with me to to visit some family, and my little cousin was there, and I said you can use my PS4, just don't play don't play this one game. And he he played Bloodborne when I wasn't looking and wasted all of my blood vials and bullets. No, so now, not the echoes. <laughs> so now I got to grind. See, back some. in the day when your little cousin was over, you could just take the memory card out and then they couldn't mess anything up. Well, the problem, <laughs> the problem with Soulsborne game is they want to screw you over as much as, well, not screw you over, but it's, it's all about the experience and whatever. So you can't like, you can't save scum in those games. It's auto save all the time. Yeah. Rip. But I did pick up uh, Dark Souls two and three on sale, so I'm gonna once once I just finish up this last bit of Bloodborne, we're gonna gonna go through that because God, Bloodborne is. Yeah. I think like, it's safe to say now that I have played that game basically all the way through two times, 
I think it's one of my favorite games ever. Like top. Yeah, top it's 10. it's becoming it's becoming that for me as well. It's quick. Like it's easily in my top fifteen. I reckon by the end it'll probably be in top ten. Yeah. Because it's just so good. I mean, it's... I haven't played any of the other Souls games, so I do look forward to the remastered Dark Souls. Yeah. For um, all the stuff, so I'll probably get that. But Bloodborne was just. Oh, it's just so much fun. It's so good. I wish Darren was on. He's he's another member of our podcast who could not make it tonight. Excuse me, unfortunately, yeah. but he's he's a really big uh, Soulsborne Unfortunately, fan. You're, this yeah. podcast isn't allowed to have two YouTubers on at the same time. It's true. Yeah, it's the unspoken. <laughs> is that how it works? Every time we have a YouTuber on, it just happens to be that like <laughs> that day doesn't work for him. <laughs> I think so. I think it's only been like once. And then you could never be seen again. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that, I've still... Um, have I been playing anything else? Heroes? Mm, well, <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, I still play Heroes, but only, like, only whenever I mean, there's were, new stuff to do and get orbs. Were you happy about uh, Radiant Dawn units? That was cool. I was, ha- I was happy to get Radiant Dawn units. We finally got Makaya and Soph. Why we got Zelkius, I don't know, but fine. Yeah, I was really happy to have that spoiled for me, because so, those are like the only two <laughs> I mean, big games I haven't played. So Not that that wasn't annoying, but the reveal in Radiant Dawn is so badly done anyway. Yeah, it is. They just announced it. It's like, yeah, hey, I, I here's the Black Knight. I'm like, what? Yeah, I heard Renolf just kind of randomly says like, oh yeah, by the way. But apparently I mean, like someone was telling me by that point in the story, you already, like, you know it's him. I know, but they don't outright say uh, it. Yeah, they don't outright actually, say it. Actually, one of the best... Um... In their defense, somewhat, there are all kinds of stories where people just don't communicate when they should, and it, it wouldn't make sense for Ranulf not to figure it out, and once he figured it out, it wouldn't make sense for him not to tell Ike. So at the very least, people yeah. are sort of acting rationally, even though it totally sort of guts the dramatic tension mm-hmm. of the story. I also I know, but one of the one of the best bits in Radiant Dawn, if you it, there's the chapter where you fight the Dawn Brigades as the Grail Mercenaries, if you actually go to the Black Knight as Ranulf, he um he he says in the dialogue, "Oh my God, I I recognize you now." Like he doesn't say outright, he's like, "Oh my God, I faced you before. I know who you are." And, and Black Knight's like, "Shut the hell up! Don't you know? Don't say anything." So I reckon if they just kept it at that, it would have done really well to elude it because he recently did fight Zelgius. Or they could have just done. The whole thing, I know some people have mentioned this, where they use his, what is it, his his Banyan armor? Like yeah, the, yeah, the, the I would have preferred that because... Oh, uh, yeah. Instead yeah, I would have preferred that where he used, like, his Banyan outfit where he has, like, a it's silver a, blade and just... It's the same art, just with his helmet in his hands. Yeah, <laughs> I would have preferred... Uh, yeah. Actually, I think his art's, like, slight... His armor's, like, more cracked and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a crack for, because um, at the end cracks. of Path of Radiance, the cra- I think it's either from Ike's injury or the castle being crushed. Yeah, there's a crack in his armor. It removes its blessing. Yeah, so it's kind of weird because... you. In the Japanese version, it was the version of Path of Radiance was just a warp powder malfunction and just only <laughs> that like was a fan. So phantom. dumb though. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, are they just accepting the localization? I would hope yeah. so. I mean, if we ever get a remaster, I, I just so hope so for all my Japanese really brethren that they would like mm-hmm. fix that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that if, if we if we ever get the Talius remaster or whatever, which or, I don't, if it's what, a remaster or they finally put GameCube games on the. What do we call it on the Switch? Just hurry up! Those games yeah. are so fucking expensive to track some, down. I mean, I have people... them, but they they didn't come cheap. Yeah, <laughs> some people are saying you know remake, remake for those games. I don't need that. I just want an HD port. Just yeah, up, yeah. Up, yeah. Upscale, I, th- upscale the graphics like you know they've done with GameCube slash Wii games in the past. Just make it HD, well, slightly better textures, and also having those games on the go, especially with how 
how big those two games are would be awesome. Well, especially the fact that Fire Emblem just does best on a handheld. It does, yeah. It's That's like Pokemon. Why I'm excited for for FE Switch. Well, obviously there's there's going to be a lot of speculation of that in in the coming months, but I I want to say this here now first. Some people are talking about a winter release and stuff like that. I think that's cra- that's crazy. I think FE Switch will probably be a summer title. Um, we don't know much about it right now, but what summer twenty uh, eighteen? Summer twenty eighteen. Yeah, they would have announced bold, it. I think that's bold claim, Cotton. Bold well, claim, Cotton. They're, 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 talk- they're talking out. about how um, it's a twenty eighteen game. First of all, I right. don't think they'll do a, a Christmas, you know, a holiday release. I think Fire Emblem is at a point where it's big enough that they could pull it off. They they might do like an October or or September release, um, but you know, I could see them dropping this in like July or or something like that. Uh, we'll we'll see. Hmm. We, we don't know how I'm, much you know. I this could see them dropping it in July 2019 because of delays, <laughs> but not yeah. this year. Yeah. Well, well, we'll, we'll it see. does depend because they did the same thing last year. They dropped Echoes in May. Yeah, and right. and they they also announced Echoes like four months beforehand, and it was clearly true. Something that but they've been working uh, on yeah, about the while. same time, I reckon Echoes had a lot like the no, it's Echoes a wasn't as demanded yet. More, more, yeah. yeah. And yeah. compare that to Fate, which I think we do for like half a year before. Yeah, that, that got announced and in then, like 2014. The, yeah, well, and then we had like a year and a half and then 10 months. Yeah, it took ten. Yes. It took ten months. But I think now with this whole uh, localization thing and whatever, and and you know, um, Nintendo's huge effort on simultaneous releases, I I would see there's a chance that this game comes out at the same time in in the U.S. that it does in uh, Japan, or or at least have it be an Echoes thing where it's only a couple weeks instead of. Uh, yeah, just know, don't do it Fates again. Yeah, don't do. Oh yeah, no, God, please. don't do a Fates eight, European yeah, thing. Eight, way too long. Uh, I but had to wait know, so well, fucking what? long for that game. Yeah, but at, well, at they, least now that you know the eShop is region free, so you can just get the US version on the eShop if it. Very true. Happen. Very true. Realistically, well, for me, I think um, FE Switch will be at the earliest, like wit, like um, October winter. I can see that. Maybe more early 2019, only because I don't think they're going to rush this one out the door, and because it's on the Switch, no, they're not. they might have to put more. You know, I think this is also. Um, Knowing intelligent systems, this is probably another big ambitious project they're doing. It does, but it, you know I doubt what? it's it going to be really, a remake. It's it. This is a crazy time that we live in, but it, it does seem like you know whatever that means, whether it's a remake or something like that. Uh, first of all, this people who think this is going to be like an FE4 and 5 remake are crazy. I think that's possible, but it's definitely not what the first Fire Emblem game on Switch is going to be. Nah, um, but and even and, then, and I think the first remake is FE6. We'll see. We'll see. There's there's some debate about that. Uh, I, think I don't think it's the I, best I, choice, I, but it's the one they've been talking about, so it does seem pretty likely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I only say that because I think at this point, Roy just needs his game in the West. He does. But what I was going to say is uh, Nintendo is clear, and Intelligent Systems are clearly making an effort, once again, whatever that may mean, whether it's you know a mobile <laughs> game and, and a 3DS remake like it was last year, they're, they're trying to get some Fire Emblem something out every single year. I mean, it, I think that's the trend that we'll probably see continue. Well, yeah. We got, we got it's three a, it's amazing got... how it's amazing how involved Nintendo can become once they see a franchise is profitable again. Like yeah. a couple years ago, uh, Fire Emblem, who cares? Awakening. Oh, Fire Emblem. Yes, uh, yes let's talk about you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rip, rip, rip Star Fox. Rip it's F-Zero. crazy as well that, like, I mean, obviously these are two different games, and, and one lends itself to, you know, obviously because it's a free game and microtransactions and whatever, but, like, the profit that Fire Emblem Heroes has made compared to uh, Super Mario Run is, like, 
Fire Emblem Heroes has done crazy numbers, and I don't think Mario Run did. Like, I, you know, I think one of the biggest things is that no one expected. Like when we heard Fire Emblem Mobile game, no one expected much, and then we got this. Was like fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it 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 met it, it surpassed expectations. It did, and it's a, you know for a mobile game. What's funny is now looking back, even though we didn't think this then. I think the game was kind of unimpressive at launch, but almost a year in, it's actually like they've they've done some really good stuff to. They have to change but at it. launch. I think pe- I think people just blown away by the fact that holy crap, this is actually a thing. They were. I mean, people didn't yeah. give a shit about stats and whatever. They just wanted to get you know their favorite character, Lin or Roy or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, they wanted that five star. Yeah. Right. And As then, someone then, who yeah. played at launch with a five star Lin and a five star Roar, I can definitely confirm that. <laughs> I got the five star Camilla and five star Takumi in my first couple of summons. In fact, Camilla what? was my first summon. I I was like, fuck hey. yes. <laughs> Remember yeah. how broken Takumi used to be? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Days. Takumi used to be like the most dangerous thing ever. Now it's like, no, Takumi, who gives a shit? Yeah. That's what I've. But. Anyway, I... um, we'll, we'll move on to the next person, I guess, for what we've been playing. Does anyone want to go? Or if not, I can go. I can go uh, quickly because I haven't been doing much, all right, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> I've been kind of busy. Um, what I have been playing a little bit of is um, Freedom Planet occasionally, which I got on sale. Like a Oh, yeah, I've played, oh, nice. played a bit of that. Yeah. that, that that's, like, that's the not Sonic game, but is highly based off a of Sonic game. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, the bosses are really hard. Like in Kirby, the levels are oh, easy and the bosses, bosses are, are awesome, hard. Yeah. But in Freedom Planet, the yeah. levels are like a good level of difficulty, the and then the bosses are like impossible. Very quickly, you mentioned Kirby. Kirby Star Allies looks really fucking good. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really good, and I want to play it. Kirby is again one of those franchises that, like, I don't, I don't even think about it, but they literally have like a fucking Kirby game or several Kirby games every single year, and they always Cur- sell I, yeah. extremely well. <laughs> but, Kirby like, is like the most safe thing Nintendo could it do. Is, it's more it, safe than Mario. And think about it, like, think about the number of Kirby games that have been bad. I can't. I literally can't think of a mainline series. Kirby game that is just like straight out, you know, not at Awful, least a yeah. pretty good game. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, Kirby is like their their safest franchise, and Star Allies looks good because it looks like it's kind of returning to the whole sixty four thing with the the combo uh, abilities and whatever. Anyway, continue. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing I've kind of been playing is actually Pokemon, which I had not been oh, playing in one? a while because I didn't get Ultra Sun or Moon, so. I, I kind of burned out after Moon and didn't really care, but then I dug up my old Heart Gold copy, and yes! I was, think, I was thinking I might start over, but I actually had a file that was right before the uh, Johto Elite Four, which was kind of perfect, because mm-hmm. like, Kanto is the most fun part of that game, because it's so open, so I just sort of played the Elite Four and then did Kanto, and then now I'm so underleveled that I can't really beat Red like at all, so I just kind of stopped, but <laughs> it was really fun, and this was like a like three or four year old file that had just kind of been sitting there and it had a bunch of traded stuff from diamond and pearl so i had like an empoleon and a luxray and stuff and i was super under leveled for the champion which was perfect because pokemon is really easy unless you're super under leveled (laughs) so it was actually like a fun (laughs) challenge i I will say though uh you didn't play ultra sun and ultra moon there's one or two fights in that game that's a little like "Mm, that's kind of weird I think people what? who have played that... It's not a spoiler anymore. The Ultra Necrozma fight is, like, kind of stupid. <laughs> I thought it was kind of fun, actually. <laughs> it, was, it was fun, but it's a, it's a little dumb. <laughs> yeah, on how, like, how over, I haven't played. Uh, yeah. I haven't played Ultra Sun and Moon. I only recently finished um, Vanilla Sun and Moon. Uh, What'd you think? That was a f- um, here's my thing. 
the first two thirds of Sun and Moon brought me to tears. Last yeah, third of it was amazing. Exactly. That's that's a good yeah, way to was... put it. That's... Like I loved the organization you faced. I just love how the things wrapped up. The Elite Four was actually hard. Yep. And it was just really, really good. I just really liked the unlike Lily and um, um what's her, her brother? You know, their, Ryan, yeah, yeah, their character development, their arc. I just thought it was really, really good. Though I will say, I do love the new Pokemon that um, Thingy introduces and all that jazz, and I like the characters. It's just the first two thirds of the adventure was so boring. Oh god, especially the first island. The first island is like what the first three hours or whatever, and it's just it's just not good. <laughs> yeah, I did it's like- not. The one thing I liked about the first island was that with the island scan, you could get stuff that in other games are super late game. Like, I used yes. a uh, Chandelure for my Moon playthrough, and, oh, like, you cool. get that crazy late in Gen 5, so you can't really, like, train it up properly. What's, what's that's your because Chandelure's really game, fucking good. Yeah. yeah. But it was really fun <laughs> to, like, actually be able to use it properly. I'm in the camp yeah. that, that thinks Black and White 2 is the best game in the series. Um, Ooh, I would say I'm, it's definitely either that or... I'm Hulk very Ball. much... Almost on board. I think um, Heart Gold is the best, just because that's either kind one, of more nostalgia bias. But Black Two is incredible. It's it so like good, literally just fixed everything. If you remade Heart Gold in Black Two's engine, then that would be like the perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's just Black Two was just like there was no bullshit to that game. You had so many great Pokemon from the get go. Um, it was just interesting to play. There was so much freedom. It was fun. Oh, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. And I have to say. X and Y have a lot of problems, but they did at least carry over that sort of wide availability from the beginning from Black and White 2, and I do think that is a point in their favor. I think X and Y are underrated, in my opinion. I think they really missed out on, like, an emerald or a platinum to, like, sort of fix some of what was wrong with them and really give, like, the ideal experience of it. That's true, but I think that's because they were focused on Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Yeah, definitely. But that's pretty much but what I, I've been I had to look... Yeah, I had so much fun with X and Y. So, uh, Shepard, yeah. do you want to go ahead, or Devin? Um, uh, I could go ahead. Yeah, go I ahead, because I have a couple of things to talk about. So, yeah. yeah, so I've been playing two things. Uh, one, I've been I've been sort of just finishing up Hyrule Warriors, or not Hyrule Warriors, uh, Fire Emblem Warriors. Yeah, I have it as well. So I'll I'll add in on my stuff with that too. So go ahead. Uh, so I so I did like all the main so I did all the main quests. I did all. I'm gonna take it now. I'm just sort of going through. Mm-hmm. All Have the you done history. all the history mode stuff? Yeah. Uh, that, I've pretty much I'm done all the history for. mode maps. It's I've sort of gotten to the point where, I the only thing sort of left is just to like grind kills on the legendary weapons, mm-hmm. which I kind of don't want to do. What do you think? By the way, we we haven't mentioned this on the podcast yet. Um, since you know since our last time recording and now. The first pack of DLC has come out for Fire Emblem Warriors, and that includes uh, Obero, Niles, and Azura. Uh, so, what do, you, what do you think of those characters? Uh, Niles, he's I. I mean, he's he's, he's literally every just other archer. archer. Yeah, yeah, he's every other archer. Where does but... he? Because I know the way people used to rank them is like Takami, uh, Sakura, Anna, in in terms of best to worst. Where does he rank? Once that? they added I, skill I inheritance, really Takami got really nerfed, though. Devin, he's not that good anymore. <laughs> it's funny because skill inheritance is kind of a big part of <laughs> that game, especially yeah. when you have skills like Astra and Luna just being like ridiculous. Mm. All right, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put much time into Niles because I was mm-hmm. like, eh, yeah. I, don't, I don't need another Archer. But I will I, say, and... Obero and and Azura are both really fun. They're they're two of my favorite characters uh, in the game. Yeah, that spear fire is about a fucking mounted unit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were pretty, it was pretty nice to have a, a somewhat more sort of stable 
stable lands user than the pegs, where the pegs you gotta get yep. really good at like the spacing and whatnot. The uh, Bora was kind of fun. I actually didn't do much of Zura. I was just pretty much just put everything into. Oh, uh, Zura is crazy. They're, they're they're both really good. Aboro does have some of the best AOE in the game, uh, besides you know the whole Camilla like running strong attack. Because um, uh, Obero's combo one is like crazy, where she just oh, does the yeah. whole hurricane thing, and and that just that really helps you rack up a lot of kills when you need to do the missions. That you know it's just how many how many random dudes you can you can kill. How many mooks? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so many mooks. And. Yeah, I, I've sort of gotten to this, the end, end game end game weapon grind. What have been your, like your mains? The Frederick, and then you really like Frederick. I, I Frederick's know you, fun. We've talked about this. Just the umph. I don't think he's great, but he is fun. Hey, he's I got mean, the every, umph and he's got the movement. Everyone's That's totally usable, <laughs> so it doesn't really like make a huge difference. But yeah. It's pretty much just been Frederick and then just whoever I feel whoever I feel for mm -hmm. at the moment. I gotta say, as, as much as I don't love these guys as characters, um, the like Rowan and Liana, I think they're really f fun units to play. I I chose I chose Liana and her moveset's actually really good. Um, I mean, they have, I think they have yeah, the, I think they're designed yeah, they to be same. some of the best characters. Yeah, they they also have the same moveset. I'm pretty sure they do have the same moveset. Yeah, it's just it's like, just slightly different. That's just yeah, stat distribution. Um, yeah, I've been working on the characters. I've been working on. I'm I'm trying to get Tiki built because Tiki's crazy. Once you you put some effort into her and and stuff. no, once you activate awakening mode. Yeah, once yeah. You, exactly. Um, Step so one. I finally I actually beat it Christmas Day. Uh, I beat Fire Emblem Warriors, which I gotta say I really didn't. I didn't. I I enjoyed the story mode for like the first half, but then I just kind of got burnt out on it by the second half because it's it's really the same kind of mission types throughout the whole thing. And the story is I expl I described this recently where I find a lot of the things in in the fates, the fates chronicles, <laughs> to be kind of. What was the word I used? Disappointingly bad. <laughs> uh. The story, As opposed to, like, entertainingly bad? Yeah, the story is kind of entertainingly bad in, in Fire Emblem Warriors, and I don't think anyone expected anything crazy. Um, it's a there, Warriors game. It is a Warriors game. Mm. There's there's a twist at the end that is just, like, I was like... Yeah, yeah tw that, uh, twist. Yeah, twist. It's <laughs> just, like, you see it, like, a mile, <laughs> a mile away. I remember, like, five chapters before that happened. I'm like, oh, this character's probably going to do that thing. And it's like, what do you know? That's exactly what happened. Oh, but, is yeah. that the one where Garen turns out to be Corrin's father? <laughs> yeah um, what's a twist but I, I will say once you get into the history mode stuff uh it is it is a grind but it's a much more entertaining and fun grind i think except, except the history the, mode uh, is where the game i think really excels because that's where i think it makes best use out of using every character and giving you actually interesting missions yeah exactly except for the arena challenges in history yeah those those, those, those are annoying. yeah those are just like hey take 10 minutes to do basically nothing yeah <laughs> for and like the rewards no are good because you know you get uh, an, i mean from history mode you get master seals yeah. or you get um you know good nice weapons, weapons and or, a lot of money yeah or you a get lin <laughs> and celica and and stuff oh, like fucking that lin's ridiculous lin is crazy <laughs> i i actually don't i'm working on unlocking her right now but i know everyone says and i've seen in videos it's it's her it's her, it's her, like it's her, it's her ending combo she does basically her basically her ending combo is the same as a special attack yeah yeah it's really good. 
I, I am excited for the next DLC pack, which I think I think it's Shadow Dragon, right? For the I yeah. want to, I'm excited it's, for that because I want to see how they pull off Minerva. Yeah, because I, 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 I don't think they can't really make her a, a Miller clone because no, Camilla uses magic uses attacks. Magic, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll see how that works. And I'm really hoping Lind is not a, a Robin clone, but she probably will. Yeah. Be. So we'll see. And then well, we, we know, know we know <laughs> well we know Navar is we know Navar is a Lind clone. Yeah. So that's gonna since, suck. Seeing how Niles was the only one clone in this last DLC pack, you know, it's, it, I think we'll only maybe, get one clone each time. That that I mean, I'm okay with that. Two new characters well, and one clone. Let's that's... see. We know we know we know a Wayne is a Rioma clone. Yes. Uh, so um, we'll, what about Farja? That that uh, she I probably think a li- she uh, either a Robin or a Lind clone if Lind isn't a clone. Yeah. Or, oh, um, or and then. Her, the only, the only one who should she's... not be a clone is Olivia because she yeah. could be completely unique. Yeah, yeah, she she's got her own I, thing. I think Olivia is kind of a strange choice, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. But we'll see what they do with it. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, it's not like strange choices or anything new to the Warriors no. franchise. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm saying this. I'm not even just saying this because, as you know, I'm a big fan of this character. I'm saying this genuinely because I think he would be like fit really well in the game, and he also represents something that we don't have. Why is Camus not in this game? Like Camus would be great as as a Lance Cavalier because we don't yeah, he would Cavalier. be really really cool. And I think he would be the best fitting Lance Cavalier out of you know, uh, Awakening Fates and Shadow Dragon. I mean, I guess you could go yeah. Dragon. I guess, but... I guess, I guess, I guess, t- I guess technically because since they went with. The Marth was like somewhere before the Marth they picked was like somewhere before the end of Shadow Dragon, so it's like Camus Marth technically never met or not met. He never fought with Camus. He only fought against. Mm. So it could yeah, and we don't have any villains, which is also kind of weird. Yeah, Yeah. of all the yeah of all the fire villains out there, they pick the crappy ones. They do. They pick fucking who is it like Iago? Yeah, Iago, Valadar, and Garneth, and literally all three sorcerer bad dudes. Yeah. I mean, come on! What they should do is do a DLC pack with Sirius from FE3, like with his mask on. <laughs> and but then he takes his mask off, and it's actually Lucina. <laughs> <laughs> the twist. That's true. So, have you been playing anything else? Uh, XCOM uh, series, yeah. you say, is better than uh, Fire <laughs> It It is 100% better than Fire But the other game I've been playing is Xeoblade 2, actually. I've, yep. You beat I, it, I didn't got, you? I beat it twice. You are, you are crazy. Hey, it was all right. So, Wait, beat it twice. That's like 150 hours. Jesus. Okay, it was it was only it was only about 40 to 50 hours for the first playthrough. Damn, that's, and then that's pretty second, fast. And then second playthrough. I mean, I just sort of follow follow the story quest and don't don't fuck yeah, around don't too much. <laughs> and then second playthrough, I did do a lot of fucking around and doing side quests, and that one took me like 120 hours. So, how does it compare to you to the other games in the series? Oh. Uh, it's kind of weird. It's I'll say, the combat system's pretty, probably kind of. I feel like some of the it's in between X and one, in terms of the combat system. Okay, I've it, I've it, heard most people say it's their favorite combat system. I don't know. The thing that holds it back for me in terms of being like a really good and fun combat system is you can't auto attack while moving, right, and yeah. all and all your arts are charged based on how many auto attacks you do. So it you're just kind of have to just sit, just stand in one place and just don't move, as opposed to like X or one where you know you're just kind of like always circling around or backing up or going in. Just doing yeah, because a lot crazy. of the arts were based on positioning, so you would be doing that. Yeah. Right. 
and the position arts are still are still here in two it's just like you know if i go if i could go around you know get the bonus damage but the, none of my arts it's will a lot more charged. timing based if if i understand right yeah there's uh there's art can there's uh cancels which it's if you do a art or special at at the sort of right as right at, right after an auto attack mm-hmm. then you get a damage boost so what well, you can kind of, and then you can also do that with like switching blades and doing other things so you can kind of get into a sort of rhythm on just figuring out okay I, I should do my art here or i need a wait so it's kind of more timing but it's i guess it's a different different opposed to how x has had the soul voices where in X, you know, your teammates would just shout like, "Oh, you know, you should do a melee attack," and you'd get like a bonus if you did a melee art. And I love that. Yeah, and that yeah. was really fun because it was like, okay, then you gotta start managing like, okay, if I use my art, if I use my art here, will I be able to, you know, respond to a soul voice? But here it's just kind of like, you got it's it's good tempo and whatnot. It's just the mo- lack of movement just kind of mm. really slows everything down. More precise, but, but also more dull. Yeah. It's pretty much I mean, it, just yeah. think, okay. Sheffin, you've probably spent, like, 30 or 40 hours just standing still in that game. More than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I would say, oh, I don't know, too many hours of just standing still, just swinging a sword, like, yeah, ha, and then, all right, but, uh, character-wise, um, not, not as good as, not as good as one's characters, uh, Slightly better than X's characters, since X only had kind of a handful that were like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Hey, remember that one character in X that they, they make jokes about him eating him? Yeah. Isn't that oh, great? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest thing ever? Yeah. It's no, funny no ta- <laughs> all a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, no Tatsu. Instead, they have Tora, which Tora himself is kind of lame, but he gives Poppy, and Poppy's the greatest, so it's it balances out. But what do you think into- of Rex? Because Rex uh, looks kind of boring to me. To, uh, to be he honest. starts out boring, but he actually he's actually he's actually really cool by the end. I will and say I, something. I enjoy I, his, I enjoy his story. I know he he gets like a uh, design change or whatever later on. I think <laughs> someone was saying that to me, but Rex's design is like kind of ugly. <laughs> To be fair, the art. What do you think of the art style as a whole? Because that's been one of the biggest controversies with this game. You know, uh, I'm, arts, I'm, okay, I'm okay with arts, their style now. I I didn't okay. love it at first, but the character designs, especially for female characters like Pyra and stuff like that, I just think are, it's it's pretty, it's pretty bad. It's pretty yeah. irredeemable. Apparently, the artist does hen- like he's a hentai artist. Apparently, uh, you know, I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, I'll say I actually enjoyed the art style actually way more than all of them. Of all the Xenoblade games, the art style. And in terms of like character design, yeah, there are some bad ones, but there are still some that like, like the, the bunny thing or whatever the hell that is. <laughs> yeah, Red that Dawn. one. Oh my god! But then I never like... thought like I never thought Xenoblade could ever like explode or like on, on Twitter, but that did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that, but then there's also like really good ones like Morag, Bridget, Zeke, Numa. Even even like I guess Mithra to an extent, she's a lot better than Pyra. She's definitely better than Pyra, yeah. Chef, then... did you ever play Skies of Arcadia? Nope. Okay, because I I haven't played Xenoblade Two, but I saw the trailer and it looked kind of similar in that sort of like going around the sky sort of uh, setting 
Yeah, pretty much all all the continents in this game are t- are titans, which are just yeah. giant, are just like basically giant dogs. And, instead an of just like it's instead of just like the two titans in the first game, right? Like the Bionis right. and the the Mechanus. Yeah, they're a lot smaller though, and sort of a lot more yeah. like compact. Yeah. yeah, but there's more of them. Yeah, there's. Is it I think is it kind seven? of like you know again like a mixture of the Titan idea from the first game and then the whole continent thing uh, from X where you know you go to different regions and whatever and they're different kind of biomes like there's the forest and yeah uh, Gormot is, and stuff yeah Gormot's sort of you know your basic sort of uh, you know sort of lush jungle area then there's like Raya which is like kind of weird it's kind of really swampy mm-hmm. and watery. And then mm-hmm. more ordained. Oh yeah, no wasteland like Oblivia, but which obvi- which easily makes it the best continent or best Titan. And then after that, it actually gets kind of it, it gets kind of lame. Then you go to like Priestland, War Torn Land. <laughs> Priestland. Yeah, War Torn Land, sort of devastated land. Is Priestland then, like that yeah. chapter in Path of Radiance? When do you go to the Luncheon <laughs> Land? <laughs> no, they, but I will say. Some of the later stuff after sort of like, uh, once you get to Moritha, then everything just gets just like super like whoa, and you like start start learning like you know about the planet and the past of the planet. So this this chef, this is my big question for you and for other people listening to the show. Um, I I do own Xenoblade One and I I want to play it at some point. I know I've said that for two years now, <laughs> but um. Would you say it's okay to go into this game without playing the first one? Because I I know it's separated, but apparently there is a bit of a tie-in okay. at at the end uh, that people have told yes. me it, it is worth playing the first game. Yes, there's a tie-in, um, tie-in to the end, which it technically doesn't spoil anything if you haven't pl- if you haven't finished. I, the I first just heard one. it. It, it Be- means a because... lot more, and it's a lot more impactful if you had have played and you know know the story of the first game. Right, but yeah. it also wor- it also works the other way in which you can go back, you can go you can go play one, and then once you can sort of get to the t- sort of tie-in points, and you're like, oh, so this is why it's this. Okay. So yeah, you can go you could go in completely completely blind as long as long as you're gonna pl- as long as you're gonna go play one, or if you're gonna if you're gonna go back, or if you played one before. Yeah. So but, but, but fuck you, X, even right, I mean that's clearly <laughs> yeah that's, that's the what way, it seems like I, with this whole thing. Yeah, there's like unless they do like some major like ass pull of like dimensional wormhole bullshit crap. I mean, X, X seems like it's just its own kind of side thing that it's just. It you know, very much yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, unless yeah, unless they do later on in like two, you'll see like yeah. Oh, there's no way that X can actually be tied to this, and X is actually set up for its own sequel to that like its ending. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you don't need you don't need to play one at all. There's like some things to be like, oh man, that's actually really cool. And there's even like there's actually even like um a reference to sort of the Xeno Xeno Gears and Xeno Saga series. Oh yeah, I that, with, I've uh, actually I really want to check those out at some point. I so do I. Ever times. since I made that video about Xeno Blade, everyone's been going on about Xeno Gears and Xeno Saga. Yeah. How you should play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a reference. There's one of the blades you can get is Cosmos, who's apparently is just like. Yeah, he's he's like in the series, or yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she's she's sorry, ba- she. yeah, yeah, she's apparently sort of like, sort of like the RoboCop Metroid like super badass from like those games, and she's just like super sought after in this in Team Play Two. All right, but, all right. Yeah, it, I guess I guess I'll go now because yeah, I have 
my stuff to talk about. So the first thing I want to mention is, um, very quickly, because I haven't played a ton of this yet, uh, but I, I finally picked up Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle, because um, that was on sale. And it's really, really good so far. Uh, people have said this, but if you enjoy Fire Emblem, I think there would be a lot to, to love in this game. They're, they're very different kind of strategy games, but again, I think it kind of, in, in a similar way, scratches that same kind of itch. Um, this game is a lot deeper than, and, and this is kind of common knowledge at this point, but it still did surprise me when I, when I played it for the first time. This game is a lot deeper than I think anyone expected it to be, or really that it had any, any right to be. Uh, just the different movement options and, and stuff like that are, are crazy. I mean, you can have a character slide into an enemy to do damage, uh, then, you know, do a, a party jump from another character to gain even more movement, jump on another enemy, hide behind cover, shoot, and then use, like, their own special ability on, in just one turn with one character. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> the stuff are you, you planning on getting the DLC they announced, this direct? Um... I mean, I'll have to see what it is, and and I want to beat the game first and, and see, you know, if I'm tired or not. Yeah. But DK was cool. I mean, that's that's pretty cool to see. Uh, Rabbit DK, which they, they showed off a lot in the promotional art and stuff, he's the boss of the first world. Um, so I'm I'm on the second world, the beginning of the second world, and, and there's four worlds. So, you know, I'm, I'm over a quarter done, I guess. Uh, but the game definitely picks up in difficulty, and, and I hear it picks up even more so there. Um, I have half of the cast right now, and there's there's only eight characters right now at launch. Uh, Mario, Yoshi, Peach, and Rabbit versions of all of those. Uh, but I will say the characters definitely so far play very differently, and I, and I do hear that that is true with all of them. And one really cool thing about this game that, again, uh, this has been mentioned other places, but, but if you haven't played it, uh, just like a lot of RPGs, like your Xenoblades and whatnot, there are skill trees and stuff like that, and and you use skill orbs to um, to upgrade your characters. But it doesn't. It's not like set in stone when you do, uh, you know, when when you have an upgrade. So if you decide you don't like a certain ability or you want to change it up for a fight, you can totally do that without any penalty of any kind. It's just how many skill orbs that you've collected up until that point. So, so can, it's quite open with customization. Yeah, you can totally change every character's build in your party between, like, fights if you wanted to, which is cool. I mean, why not? <laughs> you know, it's. I I don't think there's any reason to to have that stuff be set in stone. So this game's really cool. I'll I'll update you guys in the future. But uh, the the two big things I want to talk about is um, at the Game Awards. Uh, as I'm sure you all know by now, the the Part 2 DLC pack for Breath of the Wild was announced and released, and I played through that. I actually finished it up last night, and I want to give my thoughts quickly on that. Um, I don't love it, <laughs> which is kind of my sentiment for Breath of the Wild for people who have listened to the podcast. I know it's not popular, but um, the first part of the, the You're DLC... You're not alone. Yeah. Are, are you... Do you agree there? I'm one of the people where I get why Breath of the Wild is an amazing game, but some pits just rub me the wrong way. It's a great game, but it's certainly not a perfect game. I mean, that's that's how I like to look at it. It's, I, I think, think people I think people got carried away with the ambition. They have, and and the problem is the I think the game suffers for it because the world is ambitious, but like the actual gameplay, I don't think is that ambitious. I mean, combat's really boring. You, oh, I hate the combat. It's, I definitely it's struggled tedious. with the control for a while. 
Yes, you the, have to the get controls used to it. can be a little weird. Some of the motion stuff's awkward uh, in the shrines. And I think, you know, a, a system like a skill tree, or, or, you know, like a Skyrim upgrade system, or your, your Bloodborne, you know, investing into skill points, and, and more customization in, in combat would fit that game so well. But there's three weapon types, and, and there's five types of enemies. So I and, and the side quests are all really boring, unless they're shine quests. They're just, you know... And even then, the shine quests can often repeat each other themselves. Yeah, exactly. There's 120... Sh you know, shrines, but I would say, and this is not looking at it, you know, like calculating over every single one, but I'd say only 70 <laughs> maybe are, are really worthwhile. So it's a great game. It does cool stuff, but it's, there's a lot of issues, I think. And the DLC shows that perfectly because uh, the, the first part of the DLC, some people have complained about this, but I, I thought it was my favorite part, which is um, when you have the, the whole one hit obliterator where you take. You die in one hit, but you also kill enemies in one hit. And that reminds after... me of um, like, like Devil May Cry in Castlevania. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, isn't that isn't that the, like the one of the hardest difficulties in Devil May Cry? Yeah, Dante must die mode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and after two hits, two kills with the 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 obliterator, it needs to recharge for a minute. You can still use your arrows and stuff like that, which are good, but it's it's really fun, and you have to use that to uh, unlock four shrines, and then in the shrines, you still die in one hit. Um, so th th that was the best part of the DLC, I thought. Then the worst part comes when you are given uh, in. For all four dungeons of the game, and those kind of four quadrants of the map, you're given three photographs where you just need to find where they're talking about on the map and do a couple of kind of weird tasks to then unlock shrines. Um, and some of them were fine and, and cool and fun, but some of them get a little weird, and it made me realize there is a problem with Breath of the Wild that people don't talk about that I didn't even realize until then, and the map is actually kind of shitty. In Breath of the Wild, it's just that like blue and gold kind of color. There's no detail on the map, um, and the pictures do have colors and, and stuff like that in them, so so you can tell a little bit more of what's going on. So I think a more detailed map, um, not not in terms of like how it's drawn. The map is drawn perfectly fine, but just a, a map that's colorized and and has a little bit more distinction between areas, I think, would be really nice. Um, but th some of those shrines are really good. I will say a couple of the shrines they added in this DLC are probably some of the best shrines in the game. Uh, but I, I wanted a little more substantial content instead of just walking around and doing shrines for the DLC. And then you get the final dungeon in the game, which is I would say is, is definitely the best dungeon. And uh, the boss fight at the end is pretty fun. But I, I just... The, the bulk of that, I know... I mostly send it positive there. I would say about 70% of that DLC is just finding those photographs in the shrines and stuff like that. So it, ju it just gets tiresome. I, I mean, I played a lot of it at first, then I just got burnt out, and, and I finally went back yesterday so I could go back and, and get the reward, which is the Master Cycle Zero, the, the fucking motorcycle that Link rides around on. And I will say, that's an incredible reward, but the more I think about these things, these little improvements like that, and then the medallion, you know, to, to let your horse warp around wherever you are in the world, and the greatest feature they added, which was in the DLC pack one, the Hero's Path, where you can see where you traveled, which inversely allows to see you where you have not traveled and, and lets you explore the world better. These are little little things that I don't think should have been DLC. These are inclusions that should have been in the main game to be regardless. Because the only rewards you get for playing Breath of the Wild are, you know, personal rewards for exploring and feeling good about it in Shrine Orbs. And 
I think that's boring. I'm, I'm sorry, but getting a heart piece every single time you do a quest is boring to me, instead of new items or, or weapons and things like that. So these inclusions of, of these, you know, quality of life features and in the master cycle and stuff like that would have been great to see in the base game and then even more content in the DLC. But people have talked about this. I think a Majora's Mask type sequel where it's not too far off, but maybe a smaller world, but, you know... Um, a more detailed one. More refined, more detailed. I think that'd be cool to see a year or two down the line. Uh, and then the, other th the last thing I want to mention before we go into our next segment is the thing I have been grinding away on is I have 999 moons in Super Mario Odyssey. <laughs> Why? I bought that game recently. Uh, I saw my brother play it when I went for Christmas and sister play it. God, it looks like so much fun. It's it's good. Um, I think it is a tiny bit overhyped, but I I well, think you're probably great. also sick of it because you've been playing it since yeah. October, getting 999 moons. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I'm happy I went for, for 999 moons. There is ridiculous, stupid amounts of padding in that game, and I would still say I'd rank games like Galaxy One and Two over it. But Odyssey is really awesome. Uh, Mario controls really well. Maybe one of the best he's ever controlled besides Sunshine, because Sunshine is just buttery smooth. Yeah, say what you want about Sunshine, but he controls perfectly. Yeah, I don't understand why they couldn't game. use the Sunshine button mappings for when you plug a GameCube controller in. Like, I guess it thinks it's a classic controller, but it makes it, like, almost impossible to play that way. It's really annoying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was so excited, like, oh, I'll play Odyssey with my GameCube controller. It'll be yeah. just like Sunshine. There are a couple not. movement things I think are weird. Like, I'm totally used to doing the dive now, but it, it is a little awkward, like, having to do the ground pound input and then hitting Y to dive. Uh, it was much easier in Sunshine when you just hit B. And Well, especially when you're, like, wall jumping up one wall to try to sort of cheat your way up there and then you do the dive. It can be kind of awkward Yes, part of that chain. And also, Theo was saying this, and this isn't something I thought about. Uh, because you have to do the ground pound input first and that resets your momentum you don't keep your forward momentum when you dive it, it makes you go faster it you know from a general sandstone whatever and, and just walking but the, having sunshine where you had you know you're going crazy fast and then you dive and go even faster was was cool yeah sunshine um, just felt so seamless it does feel so seamless uh but but odyssey's it's a really great game as i'm sure you know i this you know the big question that everyone was talking at the end of this year was What's better, Odyssey or Breath of the Wild? And I think you know that I like Odyssey more. Uh, fair enough, but, fair enough. But no, it's it's a great game. I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing some, some DLC kingdoms. Uh, and this is another game that I would love to see a Mario Galaxy 2 type iteration on. Because I think there is some filler content. I think Nintendo's ha having... They've talked about in interviews that the reason that there are 880 moons in Mario Odyssey... Because the rest of them you just grind out for coins to get. Uh, the reason that there are 880 moons in Mario Odyssey is that they wanted you, no matter what you do, when you're just picking up the game, even if you play for five minutes, to feel like you've accomplished something and, and get a moon because it, it has that portable aspect. Which makes sense from a design perspective, but also from an overall perspective when you see that you get like 50 moons for doing like the same thing <laughs> all the times and, and some of the things being really tedious. Uh, and also, I would say, almost impossible to find without a guide. Um, I think that's where it gets a little crazy. 
but do you think they know. should have as the game went along made it that there are less moons to get but they're more challenging and better designed but at the start you can get loads which gets people into the game yeah i, th- I think that, that would sounds be like a great idea a, a great idea um and, and the other thing I do want to mention, I haven't seen people talk about this a little bit. There is something, at least to me, like a little bit uninspired and, and unmemorable about the level design in, in Mario Odyssey compared to games like Galaxy and stuff, where you have crazy, crazy worlds like, you know, Toy Time Galaxy and, and stuff and stuff like that. Well, in, in the Galaxy, and, Galaxy. Galaxy and Odyssey is kind of different because Odyssey goes different. for the hub world thing where it's like only a select few, whereas Galaxy had like le- different levels for like everything. It is, but I, I would have liked to see a little bit more inspiration and variety in the world design because you get, you know, you get your two water kingdoms and you get the Metro Kingdom, which is awesome, but you know, you get a Grassy Plains Kingdom and a Sand Kingdom and a Cloud Kingdom and stuff like that. And it's, it's like... It's cool, and, and they are all really fun to explore and stuff, but seeing them take a little bit more risks, which they start to do at the end of the game with the Ruined Kingdom, which has now been all over these friggin' Mario Dark Soul memes, in <laughs> 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 the Luncheon Kingdom, which uh, it has a really cool art design. I, I would have liked to have seen them do that more throughout the game, and that's why I think an Odyssey 2 would be a really cool thing to see at some point. Uh, yeah, so they just take the gameplay of Odyssey, but get really creative, like they did with Galaxy yeah. Two. Yeah, exactly. Get more creative with it. Get it, get a little weird, because Odyssey is a weird ass game. And and I said this on another podcast I was featured on uh, recently. Um, this Nintendo is that Darren's? No, oh, no, that yeah, was NBZ's gotcha. podcast. Um, in life, yeah. I like Mario to be fucking weird, <laughs> and, and Odyssey has captured weird Mario with like weird dances and, and costumes and shit like that. So get even weirder with an Odyssey sequel. But I think with that, <laughs> um, we have gone on for almost an hour. We've we've had a really lucrative segment here. Uh, we're gonna go on to questions. So we will see you guys after the music break. Take care and enjoy the the spicy tunes by Theo. <laughs> Welcome back to EmblemCast, episode 30, featuring Blazing Knight, who, by the way, we will provide his YouTube and his Twitter and all that fun stuff in the subscription. Definitely check out his videos. He's been making Fire Emblem content for quite some time now, right? I mean, t- probably about two years. Is, yeah, is about about just, uh, just over two years. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's crazy, because our podcast just turned over two years old uh, a couple weeks ago, so... Perfect crazy timing. How, crazy how time flies. <laughs> Indeed. But uh, I mean, that anyway, was a big time for Fire Emblem. Like, Fates was right on the horizon. It was, it was kind yeah, of yeah. Awakening brought things back. Popularity. I yeah. gotta say, both both of us got in right at the right time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Say. 
Um, anyway, uh, we're going to get into questions. And the first question is one that's been asked by a lot of people, and I know Blazing Knight said that he gets this question a lot, but we're, we're just going to start with it so we can get it out of the way. And it is asked by someone. Hold on. <laughs> someone on the Reddit thread. <laughs> uh, I just had this open. Um, oh, it is asked, excuse me, by uh, Adijod. I don't know if that's how you say that. That is the hardest part about hosting a podcast, pronouncing people's usernames. That's what I would guess also, but yeah. who knows? But anyway, Adijad. 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 Yeah. Or maybe Adihad. <laughs> yeah, that could be. Uh, but anyway, they ask, are you still not a fan of dancers? I remember him, Blazing Knight, stating in an older video that dancers were one of his least favorite classes. And that this community gave him some flack for it, since they're rather top t- tier around these parts. I was this is our slash opinion, fire emblem. Yes. I was wondering if this opinion has changed over time, as it was a pre-fates, and perhaps maybe getting a dancer like Azira with fantastic ability may have changed his mind, as well as not any uh, having any outside uh, of the against, of the spell. against spell yeah, of, in Shadows of Valentia. And I'm wondering if ability might have been a typo for availability. But yeah, it also I, might I not think, have been. That... A little hard to tell. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Do you have anything to say on this? Yeah, well, I have, like, I I have definitely noticed that dancers are some of the best classes. I mean, when it comes to being, like, when you do ranked runs and stuff, dancers are amazing. I get their abilities. And as I've played the more of the games, I do appreciate them more. Because with me and dancers, it's a case of, I like them to do more that just dance. Like, Azora was a big help because she can fight and she has surprisingly good strength growth. But, like, she can dance. She's there from very early on and stuff like that. And Ninian could give you boosts. The Herons could get multiple units to um, move. That I really, really like. The thing with me and dancers is I only really use a dancer if, like, say, depending on the game or depending on how many slots I have available. Because if I if it's, like, I can only use, I don't know... 10 units and I've already like filled up the main cast with my things then I won't bother putting a dancer in but if I have that extra space then I definitely will because I do see the usefulness of them it's just for me I prefer to have like um all my bases covered with the units I really need first and I'll only have dancers as maybe a backup I think it's also obviously as a class they're extremely helpful and and always there's always you know there's never a situation when you're going to say, oh, fuck dancers, they don't do anything. But um, it's it's also game-dependent, because you look at a game like Awakening, where there's ambush spawns, and you have these big maps with not a lot of terrain, and also just units that are super-powered and, and crazy pair-up stuff. And I, and I find Olivia gets kind of... Uh, I don't know, she doesn't get a chance to shine quite as much as other dancers. Um, but then you have games like FE6, where your units are kind of all over the place. You have a lot of deployment slots. And again, for the most part, you have big maps. Um, so if you're not using Lalum or Elfin, I, I would say probably not a good idea because they're some of the best units in the game. And, th- and then in another situation, you have FE8 where you have some super-powered units. And, you know, Tethys is still really good, but there's also a million other units you could be using. So dancers are great. They're always great and they're always helpful, but I think it is totally understandable that, you know, it is it can be situational for you. I mean, yeah, on player phase they're a great help, and on enemy phase they're a liability. So exactly. if the game is very enemy phase focused, which a lot of Fire Emblem is, then they're much yeah. less useful than when it's more player phase focused. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so now we will be moving on to our next question, who is asked on our Discord, which, by the way, the link is in the description to this, uh, to talk there. We play games and do VC nights every so often, and, and we are working on, on some streams and stuff like that. And the best place to, to get all that information will be on our Discord, so join that if you guys are interested. But anyway, uh, Youful asks, what are your favorite crit animations? And this is for the whole cast. So... I don't know who wants to go first. I I think it's hard. I mean, I have. A I'm gonna throw back to Emblemcast episode one, uh, where we were talking. Oh. Well, not we, because I wasn't on it yet. But where everyone was talking about the uh, Game Boy Hero crate animation, where they throw the shield down. Because mm -hmm. I think even two years later, that's a pretty damn good one. I was gonna say I would be surprised if not all four of us say animations from the GBA games. Yeah, um, pretty much. If not that, maybe Radiant Dawn. Yeah. Or, actually, I will say, for, for all the 3D games, uh, Echoes looks pretty damn good. They yeah, Echoes is. In there. Echoes is better than Awakening of Face. I think Awakening is one of my least favorite for animations. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, I yeah. Path of Radiance has some pretty not great ones, too. That, they refined that, it with Radiance. Path of Radiance as a whole is not a very well-presented game, minus the portraits. Yeah. 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 So, mean, animations for you guys? I'm trying to. It would probably it's been be so long since I played with animations on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to like um, rack my brain. Uh, this, uh, unmounted Celif in Fire Emblem Four is. Oh animation, yeah, that's so where cool. Where he just where he just sort of just like dashes up and does like a bunch of swings and does like a backflip. Yeah. That that I think cool that might one. be where Marth's upbe and smash comes from because he does that same sort of rising like sword. Slash like the dolphin thing. slash and yeah it's yeah, pretty similar yeah. looking yeah that is pretty similar that one's cool um i like a lot of the like lord exclusive crit animations all of ephraim's crits uh are are cool and um I think yeah i remember Lin, my first genealogy playthrough i we dismounted salif to kill um someone who's a spoiler but who's like very thematic uh to be killed by salif with the sigurd's silver sword and it took yeah. forever because Dismounted Solice has not very good stats and the Silver Sword is not as good as his better sword that he gets in that chapter. So he's doing like one damage, mm -hmm. but it was so worth it eventually. And but he finally killed him with a crit. Doesn't the, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't the game break once you dismount Solith? I, I, I thought he did. It can break. It doesn't necessarily break. So if you're on an emulator, it's not as dangerous. Anyway, I, I also like I like Lin's Blade Master crit animations. Those are all... Those are well, because Jiggle cool. Physics. <laughs> I think that's just the that soul I've never really said that. Yeah, that's it, just soul it's, yeah. it's it's hard to see. I mean, it's not like I know it, I know. it seems unnecessary as well. It was it's only, only like, in localized version. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. but every single inter and like iteration, three heroes and and then warriors and stuff, like her boobs just get bigger and she gets more sexualized, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just like. I think Echoes is the example that you can have super attractive characters and have people really like them, but they don't need to be naked. <laughs> yeah, well, Echo, Echoes' um, art style as a whole is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, and the other one I, I want to mention just really quickly is I also like, I, you know, there's there's obviously a ton of other stuff I like more than this, but I don't think these get brought up enough. Both the hand axe crit and the, um, the, the bow crits in the GBA games are really cool. They're just really snappy, you know. Just yeah, like the, the hand axe just like one twelve, throw it. Yeah, one twelve, throw. It's it's pretty pretty classy. I also mm. want to give uh, credit to a fan made crit animation, which is very popular on the subreddit uh, from this uh, sort of fan playthrough called Roy's Bizarre Adventure, 
where the guy was hacking the game as he played, and uh, <laughs> Roy like summons Hector with armads and like yeah. points and calls him down. I always really like that one. Oh uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Uh, if, you're, if you're getting in hacks, then Zephiel's Ballista XX bridge. <laughs> <laughs> just like, that's always a good Just shoots his sword from a distance. Uh, that's always a good hack animation to see. Anyway, um, how, how about you, Blazing Knight? Yeah. Um, favorite crits? Well, we're going off GBA. I love the warrior in general one because the warrior just Warriors goes so like, I was spins, attack, and slams it. And I love the general where they just pick up their weapon, spin it three times, and shove it in your face. Uh, I also and the really... chain, baby. The chain is yeah, so the, cool. The chain is sexy. The chain is sexy. I also I, this isn't a player, but just general animation. Zafiel's animation is my favorite in the GBA series. Just the amount, like Spinning the power around. in, yeah, the power <laughs> in his swing and just everything about it is so cool. Aside Dude, from that, poor the... Cecilia, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know how she survived. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, it's a 29 damage normally, and she has 30 health, and he crit her. How is she still alive? Magic. I don't know. I mean, her yeah. health went to zero, so she should no. She should have been cleaved in half. Nah, nah. This, this is this is this is anime chess. People don't die when they are killed. That's true. Yeah, she had they the uh, sturdy ability from Pokemon. Aside from that, aside from those, the only other crypt, well, not crypt, but like animation I really like is um like Nephni or like Spearmasters in um Radiant Dawn where they use Impale. Oh yeah. Mm. The one where they like spin the spear, like stab three times, and then do a like jump uh, uppercut, and it's really cool. Yeah, those hmm. are very good. Who got Nephany in the draft? I don't remember. Uh, I, think I think Keegan. Was... Yeah, it was Keegan. Right? I think it was Keegan. Yeah. One day we'll anyway, do that. The next question, we'll go a little more quickly through these now. Uh, the next question is also asked by Adijad on the subreddit, and he said, You stated that you don't like blinding. This is again towards Blazing Knight. You stated that you don't like Binding Blade all that much, but you're a huge fan of Blazing Blade. What do you like slash dislike about the two that made you place it on opposite ends of your favorite FE list? Well, Binding Blade's biggest problem is, one, I think the map design is overall weak. There are some good maps, but most of it is overly long, and there's a lot of bullshit in Binding Blade, whether it's Chapter 14 stipulation and, you know, the whole fog thing, whether it's... um you know, chapter 14X, and you've got the um, um, the disappearing platforms and the bolting, and further on, tw chapter 20, you've got the Fog of War, the bolting, and the staves. Binding Blade just really filled to the memory of a lot of bullshit in this map, since it's annoying. On top of that, the unit balance is terrible. The story is fine, but also very underwhelming, if you ask me, in some areas. The, um, I don't know, the RNG, well, for me, the RNG was also always awful, Roy is probably one of the most boring Fire Emblem Lords. And I don't know, there's just a lot about Fire Emblem 6 that irks me. I mean, the more I play it, the better it gets. But just stuff about that game really rubs me the wrong way. Whereas FE7 was really, really, really focused. Like, the map design was very well built. The character balance got better. I think the story, one not the best, was overall very solid. And it included a lot of, like, secondary characters into the narrative. Like, Nino and Jafar, and I thought that was really good. I, um... I think the difficulty was fine. It was like, it, it's not one of the, it's one of the easier farming games, but it was more consistent. Binding Blade was a lot more bullshit, if you ask me. Um, I love the cast, like Ella with Hector Lynn, just the characters as a whole. You know, it's quite straightforward, but that's what I love about it. There's um, quite a bit of replay value with like the guiding chapters in Hector Hard Mode. I just really love Blazing Swords. I think that's the two, the main difference. Binding Blade has a lot of stuff that just, you know, comes out of nowhere and I really don't like it. Blazing Sword just cuts the crap and gets straight to things. 
All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I. Yeah. That, <laughs> so would you just would knock you, out? If, uh, oh, sorry. Um. So would you? I, I think you might have done this for a video, at some point. But from what it sounds like, would you go if you were to rank the GBA games? Would you go? Uh, Blazing Blade, Sacred Stones, Binding Blade. Yeah, I did that in a free-for-all episode. It would go yep. Blazing Sword, Sacred Stones, Binding Blade. I mean, I love all of them at the end of the day. It's just, you know, some would prefer more than others. Yeah, interesting. I'd go Sacred Stones, Binding Blade, Blazing Blade. But I do like all three. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I, the more Fire Emblem I've played, the less I've liked the GBA games. I still like all of them, but... You know, now that I've played, like, Tellius properly and... Even I guiding. think they're a great starting point, or if they you know, are Awakening was point. your yeah. starting point, it's it's you know, it's a good I've... intermediary point. Mine's I'm I'm kind of the opposite. The more I play, the more I appreciate the GBA games, and I don't know why. I mean, they still have plenty of depth. Oh yeah, or they do. Yeah. Uh, what you gotta do is you gotta play enough where you get to the point where you just don't like Fire Emblem. <laughs> 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 just go through the loop. <laughs> Played every single fire in the game. The series is fucking terrible. Worst, Dude, that's the worst fu- series. That's the fucking. That's yeah. the Pokemon cycle for me. I, I play a shit ton of Pokemon. Like binge through the games and and whatever. Build competitive teams. And I'm like, Pokemon fucking sucks. All the games are the same. And blah blah blah. Then the next year, the new game comes out, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> I can't <laughs> All right. Wait. <laughs> All right. Do I pick Cross? Do I pick Water? Do I pick Fire? I can't choose. What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> There's so yeah. much. It's like they come out in November. It's all I'm playing until February, and then I don't touch it at all until the next game. <laughs> yeah, especially if they have that one bonus. Like I remember when I saw the X and Y trailer, I was like, okay, that looks pretty cool. But I'm kind of iffy. Oh yeah, you can get a Mega Charizard done. <laughs> yep, that's like the one hook. I gotta yeah. say, they're good at advertising those games. Every time there's a trailer for a new game in the series, you're like, oh my god, this looks like the best one yet. <laughs> yeah, there's one thing I've got to say about Nintendo, is that even though with advertising they're iffy, when they know how to advertise, they are the best at it. Smash Bros. and Pokemon are the two best examples I can think of. Oh, the next god, Pokemon Smash... game is going to be released at the same time as Mario Galaxy with no advertising. <laughs> I gotta say, and after this we will move on to the next question, but when I was watching the, the Direct Mini the other day, um, I didn't think Smash was coming out, and I, I honestly, we talked about this a little bit before we recorded, but I would rather wait a little bit for a Smash 5 than just see a port of uh, Wii U. But when there was that like little bit of, of there was a dark screen and a bit of silence um, at, at the end of the Direct when they announced uh, the Dark Souls remaster, I just thought in my mind, oh my god, if the fucking Smash 4, like... <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> <the flaming>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I swear, every time played, you see that, you just lose your shit. You just lose your mind. Oh, they... they... <laughs> it's so good. Well, it was, it was like, it's uh, iconic at this point. Yeah. Uh, let's just knock out Adi Had's, uh last question. Yeah, we'll do is, that. Yeah. Um, why did you decide to start making videos, and why do you like Fire Emblem? Well, I decided to start making videos just kind of like for shits and giggles. A lot of people did when Dog Walker and James Rolfe kind of entered the scene, and I felt I could do the same thing. Because my channel's actually been around for years, but I did like next to nothing back then. It wasn't until I started playing Fire Emblem again and played Tellius and Awakening that I just felt like making a video about my favorite classes, and that video just so happened to do really well. So I was like, okay. And then I just made more and more and more and stuff like that. And the reason I like Fire Emblem is because... It's an RP. Well, I'm not the biggest fan of RPGs, though. I'm getting more into them because of other games like Xenoblade and stuff. But Fire Emblem has this, like, it's quite straightforward, but it has this, like, real depth to it. There's a lot of character involvement and a lot of character involved stories. 
And I just like the setting and I like the type of strategy you have to employ where it's 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 more about survivability and um, really just um, how every unit has a very specific role. So you've really got to work around the type of team you want. And like also I like how every game always offers something different because a lot of franchises, like you said, Dev and Seven Pokemon, they do find the, kind of feel the same. One thing I love about Fire Emblem is that even like games that are on the same platform, they all feel unique and I really do like yeah. that. So I can go to each game and there's always something different. So I really like that about the series. But they still scratch that same itch, I, I find, you know, the like it's you know, they play differently and, and you're you're doing things differently and, and whatever, but you know, you still get that strategical like, yeah. I beat yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, very I true. It. I mean it's, it's, yeah, it's it's very satisfying and I like how the games are made in a way like um how you can build any type of team you want and it is really satisfying to get the right types of level ups, even with the terrible units. Exactly. I mean, any anyone is usable. Like, people will have a lot of unit discussion and whatever. You can use anyone in these games for the most part, but obviously it comes down to, you know, risk or well, sort of... The- yeah, that's another thing I love about Fire Emblem. Output. The game, yeah, the games don't expect you to reach 20 and cap everything. You just have to no. be at, at the right level. Exactly. All right. Uh, anyway, let's just do another quick going... question for Blazing yeah. Night before we do the next group one. This is about uh, the Yogdraw series, Fire Emblem 4 and 5. Have mm-hmm. you ever played them? If so, what was your opinion on them? And could they be improved upon with two Echoes remakes? And would you prefer if Binding Blade be remade before or after them? Uh, and this I've was by... Played, um, uh, but... Hang on. Sorry. Uh, I just need to find who asked this question. Yeah, um, can... it, it was by Randall Pitchfork. Okay. Um, I'm currently playing Fire Emblem 4. I haven't played Fire Emblem 5. What do I think so far? I think Fire Emblem 4, for what it is... I. Uh, I think it's probably, like, the most ambitious Fire Emblem game they made, especially for the time, and I appreciate that. The game is... The only thing I see with Fire Emblem 4 is that it just suffers from being overly dated. Like, a yeah. lot of the mechanics really don't work. Like, whoever thought, like, the trading system with pawning stuff should be... I think should be shot, because that wow. was terrible. I like it. I uh, really... See, I'm, I'm I, not a I, fan. I, I'm not a no, fan. No, I, I really don't like it. Um, only the in that game, game, but... Yeah. Fire Emblem 4, like, it is really ambitious and stuff like that, and I appreciate that, what they did, but the way it's set up where you pretty much, unless you use it, you have to just use mounted units, some of the chapters go on for really, really, really fucking long, um, and the sprite work, some of the portraits are a bit ugly, <laughs> You don't Can't like deny. Your, you don't like your '80s poofy oh, hair. Dude, just, just wait, yeah, wait just... until you get to FE5. The portraits, I think, are the best in the series in that game. They're yeah, super... I remember we said that in our first oh, conversation. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, so, Final Four, I really do like, and I appreciate the ambition. I just think it needs. Also, it's very. I think it's very user hostile game. So I just think it needs like a, just an update, a bit of polish and stuff like that. I haven't played FE5, but it's the one Fire Emblem game I'm not looking forward to playing because all I hear is that game is filled with nothing but bullshit. Oh, no. It's my favorite. <laughs> I know, but I just hear it's filled to the brim. I, I know a lot of people what? really like FE5, it but... It's one of everyone... those games that you don't look forward to playing to, but then when you play it, you're like, oh, this is good. Mm-hmm. Like, Only it definitely have does have bullshit, but if you yeah. have a guide, like, that's most of the problem. I think it doesn't have a lot of stuff for you. Really should. Yes, every four was the same. I played it for a bit, didn't know what I was doing. I was getting a bit annoyed. Went back with a guy. It's like, oh, this this makes me so much easier. I can get a brave axe in the first chapter. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, that's why. More so with FE5. Yeah, that's why I think the games need to be just 
built in a way that's less user hostile. And would I prefer Binding Blade to be made over the Telius? Oh, sorry, the FE four and five games. Yes, because I think Binding Blade could do more of a remake to make it better. Whereas the those games just need like um a more modern thing, just a HD look and fixed mechanics. Whereas Binding Blade could do with a lot more. It needs better unit balancing, better map design because we can't have every map be C's. Um, give us more stuff with Roy. Give us like different story options. Include more of the Blazing Sword characters. I would See, prefer. That's, that's interesting because I I almost feel inversely in the way that there are some super dated mechanics in in both FE4 and Five. As as much as I I do really love those two games, like the trading and stuff like that. Some things that could be fixed. And if that game just got a modern touch, you know, got modern controls uh, and 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 stuff like that. I think that those two games would just be absolutely incredible. And and is where as there are a ton of issues with FE6 as much as I do still really like FE6 as well. I think it's easier to go back and play FE6 than it is to go back. Yeah, and play it is. Before. It's not nearly it's not nearly as dated as the other two. No. That's what I was saying. Like the other two just just suffer from dated whereas I think FE6 just suffers from a lot of design problems. Mm-hmm. So I prefer re- I prefer you, that remake. See, as, as much as I love and will praise FE5 forever, FE5 has some of the most critical design flaws in the series. Where other things can be debated, FE5 is more like, no, this game doesn't give you enough information to understand what's going on at, at some points. So that's definitely things that could be fixed. And we don't even have a full translation patch, which is you know being worked on, obviously. But uh, It's been years. I don't know. It has been years. We'll see. I honestly... In a couple years, I don't know how long a couple years is, but I think at some point in time, <laughs> all three of these games hopefully will see some kind of remaster or remake. So Yeah, you know what's going to be hilarious? What if the people working on the patch, they finish it, and the day they do it, Nintendo says, oh yeah, we're remaking FE5 completely, and like, It'll fuck! It'll be AM2R all over again. <laughs> no, no we'll, we'll thank them for putting the time in to give us... Because that's the only way we can get the remakes is if they we put will. the time Project in. Project is great. They did a great job with that. Yeah. yeah, and I just wish they hadn't used the Awakening names, which got later retconned in. Oh, Sed. Sed's gross. <laughs> Should yeah. be said. You know one thing? I, uh, someone mentioned this on my um, Discord server. Why don't they just do a Fire Emblem Anniversary Collection? Uh, I don't know. Probably They, just, haven't, done, like, yeah, they, just, they haven't done like just, just straight remastering at all because they probably just don't think it's good or they probably don't feel enough. comfortable launching as, as we've same seen with the three games that they've remade they have an interesting way of remaking and that they they change a lot of stuff but they also want the core mechanics to remain the same for better mm. or for worse with with gaiden <laughs> and echoes yeah anyway right. um i guess I think this is the last question here from Super User Person Four uh, on the Discord, who says, um, "In light of the newest banner and hero spoiling the Black Knight's identity in Radiant Dawn, what are your thoughts on spoilers and, excuse me, in spinoff games or even amongst the community?" Uh, I'm not too huge in spoilers and spinoffs because, being honest, the people no, the who get it... thing was ridiculous as well. I, I think. Yeah, the um, people who will get, like, Fire Emblem Heroes and play it a lot or play Fire Emblem Warriors are the fans, and there's a good chance they have played these games. I mean, even if they're not available, a lot of fans know about all this stuff just by either watching Let's Plays, doing research, looking up the characters, or just other things. So, like, if it, for, for, um, for spin-off games, I don't think it's that big of an issue for spoilers because, again, I think it's targeted to the people who have played Fire Emblem and know all this. 
I think it's a little different with the Black Knight, though, personally, just because that's that's a big plot point. It was know, a big, big yeah. Admittedly, yeah, it was a big plot point part of Radiance. And, but if you play Radiant Dawn, they they really don't like. Um, they kind of drop out of nowhere. Yeah. For me, I think it's sort of different, or it sort of depends on the spoiler. Like with like Selfin, Selfin, with basically Self, you know, Self. When you summon Self, he's like, oh yeah, you know, I gotta avenge my dead father and whatnot. I yeah. feel like there's no way you can l- really approach Zelf without being like, yeah, you know, dead dad and whatnot. I feel like mm. Zel, I feel like Zelgius though, was just a hundred percent avoidable. To the not, they didn't, yeah. they could have just done like his it red been armor. So easy, yeah. yeah they could have just gone with Benny on the look. It seems like a fuck you, especially because I'm working my way through Tellius right now, and that was like I had the whole Sigurd thing spoiled to me before I played FE4 infamously on this podcast. And uh, but I I didn't actually ha- I didn't know that Zelgius was the Black Knight until I saw that. So, oh well. I mean, I guess it makes recording easier because we don't have to worry about spoilers because IS clearly doesn't give a shit. So <laughs> yeah. Well, the Zelgius one, I just wonder why they didn't make him a completely different unit because he's literally just the Black Knight. Again. Yeah. I, mean, I know. Even if you make him literally just the Black Knight in gameplay, it would be so easy to give him red armor. Like, yeah, just yeah, that'd yeah, be so cool. Just keep, and keep Black Lunar or something, so you're like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe he that's is. how people figured it out way back in the day. Maybe there's something going on here, but it's I, not I just do like, think I, I do I think it is also I do think also it does depend on the spoiler in question because some spoilers are major, some spoilers are minor, and some can't be avoided. Yeah, like like I, like it'd be interesting if you summoned Rudolph and he instantly is like, oh yeah, but by the way, arms my son. I'd like, mm-hmm. why would you announce that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, though, there is, like, Alm having the Falchion, uh, you know, in here, I was like, that's fine. Like, even though yeah. I guess it's a spoiler that, like, oh, the, what, is, what is it? The Hero Blade or whatever. What is that? What is his sword called? The Royal Sword? Before? The Royal, Royal Blade. Sword. Yeah. The Royal Blade. It's the Regal Blade. Yeah. yeah it's the Regal, Regal, the Regal right. Blade. Even if it's like, oh, you know, the Regal Blade isn't his final weapon and he has the Falchion, it's like, oh, who fucking cares? He gets, he gets a different sword later on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Yeah, so I, yeah, the I, the Black Knight one is is the worst example. And then I, I yeah, also think I think the whole Arvis thing was handled a little weirdly when he talks about like in his conversations in Heroes, like I had to kill Sigurd, it was my duty, blah blah blah. Wait, what? They, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you uh, reach the thing, he talks about um Sigurd getting you know him killing Sigurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, it's Where, not even I old think, Arvis though, is it? No, no, it's, it's, it's impl- Arvis literally right after he killed. Yeah, Sigurd. pretty much. Do you know what? He, do you know what they could have done? They could have talked about like have a conversation where it's before he kills Sigurd and he's and like what what he what his what he's going through at that time, like he, yeah. him contemplating what he's going to do. Though also also weird thing is that Sigurd talks Sigurd talks about oh yeah you know Arvis kind of killed me, which is like. Yeah, how, like, how, wait, how, wait, you remember that? Yeah, it's like wait. So we have Phantom Seagird, basically. Maybe we're yeah. finally getting what they plan to do with, uh, with the, genealogy and getting a part three. The, the ghosts. <laughs> they rescue them. The ghosts I, who are like in stone or whatever, and then you you get them out of the stone statues. I like Kaga, and I have a lot of sympathy for unfinished games, but the notes on that part three made it look really terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm really anyway. glad that it didn't happen. Anyway, I think with that, we should move on to the third segment of the show, which we will be talking about map design in. So enjoy the music, and we will see you in a moment.
welcome back to Emblem Cast, part, episode, uh, chapter 30. That is that is how we will refer to our episodes now. Good fumble. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, and we are here with Blazing Knight, as as we were for the past almost two hours, we've, or hour and a half we've been recording. If for some reason you skipped this part in the segment. But we are talking about map design. Because I know there are a lot of people that have come to us and... I'm sure have come in the comments and stuff with you, Blazing Knight. That that it, in particular, I think the first thing I want to talk about is um, I remember that this was a big thing in the community at one point when it dropped uh, was the the revelation maps where you talked about your your favorite um, maps in that game. And first yeah. of all, while I don't agree with some of the things that you said there, you are completely entitled to your own opinion and i think some of the backlash for that was absurd yeah there was a <laughs> lot of just, to, be, to be frank like yeah. when people are getting vicious and and saying like this guy's a fucking idiot blah 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 it's like i mean he doesn't agree with him about his opinion in a video game i don't agree but like he, that's good i'm glad you get enjoyment out respectful. of something that i don't get enjoyment out of <laughs> i'm jealous in that way but, <laughs> okay so uh, you you did infamously say that you think Revelation has the the best map design in the series. First of all, is is that something that you stick with? No, um, I will say I do think Revelation's map design gets a bit of flack, but I think the main reason I liked it so much is because well, I've already made it clear that I love when games have variety and try things new, which Revelations mm. did. But I think because I came off Birthright, which was so goddamn boring to me. Yeah, so Revelations fe felt like the biggest breath of fresh air without realizing, okay, this is actually really, really gimmicky and doesn't work. So some of the maps in Rev, I still think are really good. Whereas other ones I can definitely see is like, yeah, this map sucks. Yeah, there, there are a couple maps I don't love, but overall I would say, honestly, Revelations is probably I think I was more kind of experience that I've yeah. had. I think I was more, I just got overly excited rather than taking a step back to look at how things actually were. Mm -hmm. I also think because yeah, at that point I was so fatigued with fates, you know, having yeah. these chapters, I think overdid it. I think I was kind of victim of circumstance, maybe. Yeah, no, that that's totally understandable. Um... But also, I've also like noticed things because like going playing Binding Blade and Genealogy and stuff. It's like because some of the chapters I put in the original worst chapters, like wow, these aren't nearly as bad as some of the shit I've seen. <laughs> so you don't like the genealogy maps then? Uh, it's not that I don't like them. I just think some of them are a little too um, a little it's too really spacious. Different. Yeah, I, I... It's, it's a different yeah. type of game. I mean, it's designed Chapter around it for the rough. most part, but some of some bits are a bit annoying. It's more just about, you know, um, it's it's more about traveling this, that, and the other, and just trying to stampede your way through things. Yeah, I mean, I there there's 12 maps in that game, you know, 10 chapters with a uh, prologue, prologue and an epilogue. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say there's three or four maps that I don't really like that much in that game, and that's like, <laughs> I don't know, that's like a third of the maps. So yeah. That does say something. I'm a big defender of genealogies maps, but I do think that their dead zones are pretty indefensible. There's a lot of just like moving pieces around once you've Parts gotten of to the castle. The yeah. desert in chapter five and chapter yeah. seven. I just no, come on. 
Yeah. What I what I will say though is when they're moving, they're moving, and they have a lot of characteristics that yep. people talk about for smaller scale good fire emblem maps. You've got multiple objectives to worry about. You have sort of well placed enemy designs that can be challenging. Even though in FP four, it's more like a giant cluster than like a <laughs> single enemy, so it's still pretty enemy phase. Yeah. And even though you can't yeah. use everyone, you still only have a couple units that end up like, I don't know. I think doing real work in that game. I would yeah, say no deployment it. limit. Like in yeah. Echoes, it is a great boon to its unit balance, though. Because, like, even if Arden is never going to do anything useful, he's not taking the spot True. of someone else, so you might as well throw him out there. He'll just sit in the castle. That's what, yeah. he's, that's what he's And Arden at, is so an extreme example. Because there's a lot of people who aren't, like, very good, but they can still sort of put work in if you decide to use well, them, I think and Lachesis there's no reason not is to. Like, Lachesis and Leaf are the, the two examples of... They're not... I wouldn't call them Ast archetypes, but they are in that vein of they start out weak, and, you know, you you put in a lot of investment, and they turn out good. They're, yeah, if, like, I remember, if I remember correctly, Lachesis, uh, when she promotes, she becomes disgusting. It just takes fucking ages to get there. Yes, but it's yeah. it's not that hard, because in I think it's in the same chapter you get the the paragon band and you can give that onto her and she can become a staff bot so she can promote pretty quickly and the thing about because of you know there's no deploy slots it's it's easy to you know give her heals and and (laughs) stuff like that so using her is is pretty easy and if you compare her to leaf crazy unit the big thing is so in in generation two there are uh six maps because of the epilogue and leaf joins in the second one in Generation 1, there's six maps because of the prologue, and Lacus joins, joins in the, in the third, third yeah. one. Plus, during that map, she has her retainers that follow after her, and if you use her to attack things, they will kill themselves, and you'll miss out on the Night Ring. Yeah, so you basically only important. have three chapters to train her up, which is very different from Leaf, where you have, uh, like, five. Yep. Right. The difference is Let- uh, Letiesis can spam returned, while Leaf has yes. to go out and yeah. do combat. Yeah, that's definitely true. She can staff bot around, which helps her out. Yes, especially with like the Paragon Band, she gets I think eighty exp per use of the return. Yeah, it's so, crazy. So eight levels just from one full one full use. And as we all know, arena grinding in that game is is pretty easy to do, and you know it just gives units free exp at the start of every map, really. And money. Mm-hmm. And yeah. money. Anyway, so yeah. um, I there there's a, there are a couple other things I do want to talk about Revelation quickly. Um, the the one that I know a lot of people again have pointed out is the infamous chapter ten. <laughs> yeah, snow shoveling. Do you, how do you feel about that map now, a year later, I guess, or a year or so? Yeah, I can um, see why people don't like it because it pretty much is padding. And I think one thing I've noticed when it comes to good and bad maps in Fire Emblem is usually a bad map is where the player is very much at the mercy of like the environment and really can't do much like i think one thing that makes fireman maps suck is where the player can barely progress in, like into the map either because it's closed off or if they go so far they're gonna die um mm-hmm. being ambushed so, like, by those things wars ambush spawns yeah like um stuff. like chapter 14 of um binding blade that map's awful because not only are you limited on movement and who you can deploy but the moment you start to just move out a bit you just get bum rushed yeah so I really think that hurts, and snow shoveling is a case of you just can't really move far for a long time, and if you accidentally have a unit out to uh, fight in the snow, there's a chance they can get killed. It's not as bad as other ones, but it's still pretty bad. Or like other chapters, like um, like Battle Before Dawn in um, what's its name? Yeah. Oh, in Blazing Sword. Blazing Sword, yeah. Blazing Sword. The chapter's big and all, but it has Fog of War, and you're 
you know, the game is forcing you get here before these people die. And the units you fight are strong. So again, you're kind of at the mercy of the chapter. And I'm trying to think of others that are really, really bad. Um, trying to think. There are a lot well, of Fog of War maps and Sacred Stones that if you couldn't just roll through them with Seth would be really annoying and bad. It doesn't really come yeah, up. Like chapter six. Yeah. yeah. Well, chapter six would be fine, but it's the spider at the end. You gotta kind of rush through it. Yeah. And again, you're at the yeah, kind of at the mercy true. thing. Um, what else? Um, I also think some chapters which are too big and open suck. Like, um, you ever play um, like in Binding Play the chapter when you go to Sakaya and it's just literally this big open field and you just yeah. um, it's just nomad yeah. shooting at you. Yeah, yeah chapters Sakaya that are too has got open. Some of the worst map design in that game. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's why everyone goes earlier. <laughs> Yeah, chapters that are too open and have nothing in them are boring because all you do is fight. I think a good chapter to me is something like chapter 7 of Binding Blade where the enemies are nicely spread out and it's a good size and there's um but you have um you have houses to visit. The enemies do respawn but later to, um at towards the end. The design, you know, there's a lot of terrain you can cover. There's a lot of different enemy variety to fight and it's not too big where um you get lost but it's not too cramped as well. There's enough space. I think that's the design of a good chapter. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's really hard, but it's pretty fair about it. It is hard, but it's fair. Inversely, a chapter that it, you are kind of crammed in and is horribly map design is, what is it, 9? I think, I think 9 of Fighting Blade, the one where you walk in a hallway that just that's leaps around the entire that's, map. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. That's 8, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the worst maps I think I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, one of the best ones um, that I used to not like, but now do is Conquest Chapter 10, because the game... Like, oh, yeah. the way That's the layout is set up, it benefits you. And another thing I like is when Fire Chapters, well, you have a stipulation, but if you go out of your way and push really hard, you get good rewards. Like, you can go visit houses and get some extra stuff, but at your own risk. Yeah. So with um, Conquest Chapter 10, it's set up in a way which really benefits you because you've got your turrets. The enemies have to come through choke points. And you can easily block them. But if you can push through that bit further, you can get some extra bonuses, but it is dangerous. I think that's also a very good map design. Yeah, it can be a tough chapter, but I mean, that chapter is, I think it's incredible. It's probably one of the the most expertly designed maps in the series, just because it is it is a set amount of terms, and they clearly, you know, they want you to be overwhelmed by the end and whatever, but, you know, you're still You still can tell they through. put design thought yeah. into every single one of those turns. Yeah. Which is yeah, often you really not have true for think. defense maps. Where you'll just kind of be sitting on your hands for the last four or five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just yeah. waiting. Yeah, that's I think that's why I do think that effectives, you know, beside or sorry, objectives other than just seize and kill the boss can be, you know, really interesting when you have stuff like defend or, you know, in or in, escape. Uh, yeah, yeah, or escape, which is a big thing in. Uh, yeah, that's enough. Like um. Five. Yeah, like um, going back to Conquest again, Chapter 12, it was an escape mission, which gave you more than enough time to get through, but it also had the um, addition of the pots, which uh, added the extra sense of challenge. Like, do you use them for cover? Do you break them to get bonuses? And, you know, it gives you that option. Do you want to do this, that, and the other? And how will you respond to it? Mm -hmm, exactly. I think we all can agree, at least personally, I think Route is the, the most kind of boring <laughs> objective. That I think Route generally. is the most boring, too. Um, Seize is alright because that's kind of like a variant of Defeat the Boss but Binding Blade got like every map being Seize and yeah, that exactly. sucked uh, I think what makes a good chat Seize, uh, it's... Seize most of the time I would rather just kill the boss because it's not mm -hmm. it's it's really not that much different <laughs> Yeah. when you have you know? a weak lord who wouldn't otherwise be killing the boss it can be significantly different like 
EV6 does that, but then it overplays its hand by having you do the same thing every yeah. single map for the entire game. That's true with the whole I... the whole Murdoch map where the strat is like for you know with LTCs and whatever to get the Bolton crit from <laughs> Lilina and then warp Roy in. Well, that's, yeah. that's that's for like super rigged. Yeah. For not well, when you've got rigged, lords like Ike and Crom who are just going to be like probably rolling the boss anyway, and yeah. then you just need to take another turn to seize, then it doesn't mm. really matter as much. Yeah, what? seizing, <laughs> seizing, and awakening. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. uh, awakening was literally just route the enemy. Yeah, route people. It had some defeat uh, boss. No, uh, yeah. What? Who am I? Th yeah, because you're right. I Sigurd, but Sigurd yeah. could just Kanto in, so it didn't matter at all either. Yeah. <laughs> he was seizing the same turn. Yeah, I think what really makes good map design in Fire Emblem is the objective, the size of the map. The oh, another thing is enemy placement. That can be a big hindrance because yeah. sometimes. Farming games will either underuse or overuse it. Like um, Blazing Sword, um, the chapter before you go to fight Nagal in the Dread Isle, it's the one where you find out all the backstory. It's defense mission, but about five turns in, you've wiped the entire thing. You've got to wait six turns of doing nothing. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of bad. It's like, yeah, wow, there's only this many enemies. Yeah, the battle before the dawn, too. Yeah, like the first yeah. part's really hard, and then the last part is just waiting. I think for I, yeah, think, I, I think that's actually sort of the biggest thing for me is uh, just sort of pacing and flow and just having the player constantly be be actively doing something. Yeah, I feel like sort and of multiple those, objectives help with that a lot. Right, like yeah. I'm I'm perfectly fine with like route and whatnot as you know as long as enemies are placed in a way you know if, if the map still has like a flow. Uh, an example of a map that I feel like sort of doesn't really have good flow uh, in Fire Emblem Echoes in one of the early maps. There's just a bunch of soldiers, like, right in front of you. And then there's, like, one or two cavaliers in, like, the far left corner. And it's, like, there's no reason for them to be over there. And you can kill the soldiers really quickly. And then you're just sort of just stuck waiting around for the cavaliers to get to you. And it's, like, yeah. that's just a lot Echoes. of downtime for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk about Echoes in a minute because that that's just filled to the brim of problems. But another thing is when the game gets too many enemies at you at once and it overwhelms you as much as I like Conquest, its enemy placement got really dickish in, like, chapter 17 and 25, where in chapter 25... 24. Of, yeah, I in think. 24 a lot. Where in chapter 25 of Ryoma, you had enemies that had lunge, and a lot of them had, like, poison strike and grizzly fangs, so they just overwhelmed you. And even if you had a major defense, you just get killed by stat debuffs, and that was really, really... I think that was really bad. I know that you can kind of, I guess, worm your way around some of this stuff with rescue and conquest but i think conquest in particular is a game that really could have benefited from a warp staff it seems a little weird to me that a warp staff was was not in that game because mm. that that would make some of those things especially the final map because end game conquest is, is pretty dumb yeah i, I, I really don't like i'm going conquest it's yeah. i mean you you really have to do all the rescue stuff to to finish that map on harder difficulties i find but mm. yeah, I, I just think a warp staff would have would have fixed some of those problems in conquest that you know people uh, people I know people realize this now, but I think uh, some people don't don't realize. I know when I first started playing, I certainly didn't realize this, but just the incredible value to a warp staff. Yeah, it's, those warp staffs can be amazing. The, they are pretty crazy. At, at sort of some t at the same time, the warp staff at times kind of seems like sort of just a band aid, or just like to like make you gloss over some things. Like yeah, I in FE five, like sort of perfect example. Warpless FE five is just like straight a nightmare, really bad. Yeah. Uh, FE yeah, there are definitely maps and parts of maps that are so bad that completely not playing them is better. 
and you know it is so warp is useful but it's better yeah. to just design them that they're actually fun to play right. also yeah, when you have like, crazy warp users like uh what's her name Safi. Well, is it lana or elena, no, elena or in fe11 yeah yeah well in 11 it was unlimited range yeah, so exactly. it, it didn't matter who, as long as whoever had the rank. But FE eleven is also another big case because you know, literally, like once you get, you, just before you get hammer in, you can just warp skip like literally the entire game, just one yeah. two turn. And at at one hand, it's like, oh, it's really fun to just you know, like be skipping all these maps. But on the other hand, you're like, oh, if I actually played through this, this would be really really boring and bad. Especially, mm. especially on the harder difficulties like on like h5 yeah. where you just like straight up can't fight them without burning so much money on effective weaponry it's just wingspear sheeta baby yeah so on the one yeah, hand i think um i think it, it it really says something like how bad a map that can be where you have like without a certain item the map is unplayable that's testament to bad design that oh, which yeah, which because brings me into my point with Echoes, because for the most part, Echoes map design to me suffers from just being, like way, like we said before, way too flat. It's very, very boring and simplistic. There's hardly anything to do. Most of the missions are just route. It's just very flat. But then you get stuff like Nui Baba's level, where unless you have like a Dreadfighter and Warp, you're not winning that level. God, that map is a nightmare. That's like my least favorite in, yeah. in that game. Like, yeah, and it puts so much again. Uh, yeah. Twin Lion crit. That's why I mean. That's why a lot of us who we we played Gaiden, uh, kind of at least I know Sheffin and Huster finished Gaiden, uh, but some of us I I played half of it. (laughs) Map design that terrible is a lot more defensible in a game on the NES from nineteen ninety two. Exactly, a lot of people were. Yeah, back then you can you can excuse it. Although it was still worse than FE one, so maybe not that excusable. Yeah, that that's always that's always the thing. Like, uh, yeah, this is really bad, but you know, FE one had. Well, that's because. Echoes is the most traditional JRPG out of all of them. So, I mean, I guess the whole point was not to have, like, expertly crafted levels, but just kind of battles that would, would, you know, be random enemy encounters in in your Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest. Mm -hmm. In 2017, though, it's really, (laughs) really an issue. It is. Yeah. I still like Echoes. I think it's fun. Yeah, I still like Echoes. It had some fun maps. I mean, I liked the, um, the last map at the end of chapter one, where you have to fight, um, you have to take to save fortress for the first time. I thought that was pretty cool. I think Echoes in general, uh, is is the first two or three acts are better than you know. Oh yeah, it, it really starts sure. to lose its shit by the end. Plot wise as well. Yeah. <coughs> for me, I would I would be kind of fine with a lot of the early maps in Echoes, but a lot of like the important ones, like the save fortress or like the Beaufort or grease fort they have the 20 they have the 20 avoid tiles that are just litter the entire entire place and it's like yeah why do we need to just make accuracy really bad here everyone loves yeah. the swamps too on some <laughs> level i don't mind it as an incentive to make you use magic although i feel like targeting low res is Katria. sort of a better way to do that than using messing with accuracy because that is annoying but also, all the mages have four moves, so yeah. it doesn't really work. <laughs> mm. Unless you want to take, like, ten turns to waddle them over slowly. Yeah, that, at that that's point, no... you'll probably hit eventually with a normal weapon, so it's just tedious. Yeah. That's one of the biggest problems I have with Echoes. A lot of the maps, especially the harder ones, it's just padding. you just got to wait it out. Yeah, you're just walking up. It's like the worst parts of FE4. Especially yeah, and I think, if, you know, you're yeah. you're going back to a village or something like that to, you know, buy an item or, or do some inventory stuff 
forge, and uh, then you run into a battle, and you just have to quickly go through it. It's, it, it can just get a little... Get yeah, and I think, I think that's one of a just big problem with Fire Emblem map design. If like They shouldn't ever force the player to just like pad things out or like um, inch their way forward at the risk of you know completely getting destroyed even with their best units. I think that's that constitutes bad design. It's the only Fire Emblem game that I occasionally will use the auto battle feature on. Just you know, if it's a random battle, it's just like yeah, fuck it. Just yeah, I don't care. Do this. Yeah, yeah. I think good maps will always have you doing something and have extra bonuses for those who will push that much more forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that 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 to me is good design. Like I'm trying to think. Like so, you know, chapter so ten of Conquest. Said, that being said, what would you consider? You know, you don't have to come up with like a top ten list in your head, but what yeah. are just a couple of your favorite maps throughout the series? Uh, Blood runs red from Path of Radiance. Also, I like chapters that Which are very. Was that again? Um, the one with the the one where the Black Knight appears in that house. And you will recruit Zerok. Oh. oh yeah, that was a fun one. Okay. Yeah, I think also like chapters which are quite story involved. I think chapter seven and thirteen of Binding Blade are really good. Because I love with chapter thirteen where you've got to split up and take the two roads and all the stuff going on with the field and stuff. I think that was really cool. Yeah. And chapter seven because it's just really well, well laid out. It's the first appearance of women's and it's very challenging. I think Noble Lady of Kaelin from um Blazing Sword's really cool when you recruit Lynn, you gotta conti- um focus on using both armies and, you know, just joining up together. I think that was a oh, good yeah. one. I, I forget about that map. That's not one that comes into my yeah. head a lot, but that's a pretty I good like, one. Um, I like Scorch, Sam from Sacred Stones, similar situation, two different armies, you know, you got to fight Kaliak and Volta and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't really say much for Echoes in particular, but like I said, the last map of Chapter 1, Part 1 was pretty cool. But aside from that, I can't say much because Echo's map design is not very good. Uh, chapter 10 of Conquest, Chapter 12 of Conquest, Chapter 8 of Conquest I thought were really good. The Ice one, I thought that was wonderful. Um, chapter 16 of Birthright I thought was pretty cool. Uh, I'm trying to think of this. Like, oh, um, I, I really I like... I say to me, yeah, for, for me, just, just to touch on this again very quickly, because um, mm-hmm. you talked about how you thought it was cool that Revelation took risks. And while it certainly did take risks, I, I found a lot of those were just... They were more just almost to pad the game out and, and make things kind of tedious. A lot of waiting, moving platforms and stuff like that. Conquest yeah, that's is a game. Can- you mentioned a bunch of Conquest maps there. And while there are a ton of Conquest maps that can be kind of hit and miss, I think that's a better way on how you do a sort of more experimental Fire Emblem game where it starts out pretty you know, normal and stuff like that. But later on, you have some crazy mechanics. Like I mentioned 24 earlier, where fucking you have 12 move Pegasus Knights and whatever. Yeah, I think one of Revelation's biggest problems, people did point out, is that it relies too heavily on Dragon Veins, whereas Conquest, yes. they were more of an optional feature. And I think that also helps too, where they can benefit you, but they're not imperative, whereas Revelation's, they were imperative. Yeah. And that's not good. Um, I also think um, Moment of Fate from Path of Radiance is a good map. Radiant Dawn has, like, I love Rebirth from Radiant Dawn. Alinsia's Gambit I like more, though I still think it has its issues. And, um, what else is a good map from Radiant Dawn? I'm trying to think of a really good map. You like that one? I don't I don't know the name of it because I haven't played it, but the the one that you can one-turn or whatever. <laughs> the, <laughs> with Har. Do you know oh, what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, I know it's, that it's one. It's in, like, the sky or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, I like Jeffrey's Charge. I think that's a pretty cool map. Um, I like um, Minerva's map from Shadow Dragon. You know, I think there are just overall quite a few um, pretty cool maps. Yeah. Any, any final, any final message or talk talk you guys want to have? Sort of send us off. I don't. I mean, I'm. I feel pretty I, good yeah. with that. Is, is there anything yeah. that you guys want to mention? I I think we have talked. Keep about things some of moving. Our, 
If yeah. you can do that much, then most of the rest will follow. And, yeah. act, and actively moving, not just mo- not just moving. Yeah, no, not, not like <laughs> moving <laughs> forward. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think this might seem like, you know, to any perspective game designers that are listening to this, maybe. This this may seem like basic knowledge, but I think it is something that you could, you should keep in mind when, when you're, you're looking at maps and stuff like that. I would rather have a shorter game that is consistently like, wow, these these were all really fun maps and fun levels to play, than games that have padding. You should never come to a level in a video game, and even if it's not a Fire Emblem map, you know, a, a Kingdom in Mario Odyssey or, or something like that, uh, where you come to a level and you say, fuck, I don't want I don't want to play this. This looks annoying. Leave and them wanting more, not tired yeah, of playing. Exactly. I would rather have, you know, this has been said a hundred times, I'd rather have a really tight 10-hour game than a bloated, uh, you know, and stretched out 20 or 30-hour game or something. Hell, or a tight yeah. two-hour game, you know? Yeah. If that's really all you need to get your ideas done, then, hey, you know. Hey, p- yeah. pull is a five-hour game, and that game is very tight. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah, the classic Sonic yeah. games are pretty well done, <laughs> yeah. and they're quite short. If you know what you're doing. Hey, yeah, everyone loved hours. Mania this year, and that was not the longest of games. No. It wasn't meant to be, though. Again, it was more about just being concise and straight to the point. And I think yeah, it's the exactly. same with chapters. If you, I mean, if you're gonna make them big, design it around that and make it like give us a point to it being big. But aside from that, just focus mm-hmm. on making it good, making it concise, and just making it enjoyable. And that's why to circle around a little bit to. In a, in a nice little bow <laughs> to what we talked about at the beginning of this whole podcast where we talked a lot about Breath of the Wild and Mario and stuff like that. As good as those games are, and as much as people enjoy them, I think there is a lack of focus sometimes. And mm-hmm. uh, I will say it works for those two games for the most part. Zelda less so, in my opinion. But um, I'd want to see Nintendo you know, still release focused games. And you can go big and expansive, but uh, don't forget... The charm and magic that you had with all of your, you know, tighter games in the past. Yeah. Anyway. There's um, a place I, for all of it, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a place for all of it, exactly. Anyway, I mean, I, I think that's the podcast. Blazing Night, is there anything you'd like to say before leaving? Do you want to plug any any places uh, where people can check you out? Uh, there's my YouTube channel, my Amino. I have a Let's Play channel and stuff, so you can probably get more in-depth views on how I feel about each Fireman game, as well as my more current opinions and stuff like that, and how things have changed. But aside from that, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, and we'll we'll plug some of that in the description. Thank you very um, much. It, before we go, can you give us any clues on an upcoming video, maybe for, uh, for new fans, um, perhaps? Okay. Well, I don't know what like when this is going to be posted, but let's just say with the next video, um, this in this podcast, I was we we're being like quite analysis into maps. I am going to be. Analysis being more unit analysis for my next video. Ooh. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, you have that to look forward to. That's a nice little teaser. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming Thanks on. Thanks for coming on. Well, yeah. thank uh, you very much for having me. Yeah. I've really enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah, I hope Excellent. we can stay in contact and, you know, in the meantime and everything. That that'll be great. Happy to have mm-hmm. you back on. Yeah, we we'd love yeah. to have you again. And I'd be happy All to right. come back anytime. Great. All right. Well, this has been episode thirty of Emblecast. This has been a I'd say a long one, but but a goodie. Uh, and we will see you guys hopefully soon. Um, take care, and hopefully next time we talk to you, perhaps with this direct news, we might know a little bit about Fire Emblem 16. But it's we'll not see. real. <laughs> Fire Emblem was never real. Yeah. No Fire Emblem for the Switch. Why is it really? Is there just a HD Awakening? 
<laughs> there is no switch. It's it's a government conspiracy. Before the next Fire Emblem end, game did... will be released on the Game Boy Color. Ah. I did have a weird dream once where Fire Emblem uh, 16 was an Awakening sequel, but it's like the bad path of Awakening. And for some reason, I remember like heavily focusing, this is in my dream, on uh, all the children collecting bullions. <laughs> Something tells me you were just thinking of the DLC. You know, just uh, have better Devin, dreams. That was yeah. your premonition. That was like the prologue chapter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know. Alright. <laughs> Might no, have been all right. that acid, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think on that note. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right. See you guys next time. Take care. Bye bye. Da 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 da